Hey, Macrodosing listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Listen up, we've got some tea, and you all are going to be obsessed. We spoke with the Abercrombie team, and they told us that they were going to launch a wedding shop. Well, we lost it, because as you know, we are both getting ready to get Abercrombie and hitched. The whole vibe of Abercrombie these days is clothes you'd wear for a perfect long weekend, and all their customers were like, hey, we spend long weekends traveling for weddings these days, and then Abercrombie was like, we love that. Let us just give you everything you could ever possibly want and love to wear for all things wedding. So they did. It has everything. Tons of dresses, jumpsuits, pants, swimsuits, pajamas, pantsuits, and all perfectly curated for different events, bachelorettes, brunches, showers, ceremonies as a guest and ceremonies as a bride, reception, and even honeymoon. It is incredible. Check out the Abercrombie Wedding Shop on Abercrombie.com. Go shop it now. Welcome back to Macro Dosing. The only podcast available anywhere on the internet. It is Thursday. It's March 9th. Happy March 9th. Oh. R.P. to Biggie Smalls. He died on March 9th. R.I.P. Biggie. Lest we forget. You Biggie guy or Tupac guy? Uh, if we have to choose, it's Pac. But mm-hmm. I respect fully what Biggie did. And, I, you know, I think he made one of the greatest rap songs of all time. Ten Crack Commandments. Okay. I was going to say Juicy, but... That's that's the argument for that one too. Which is uh, number one? Never get high on your own supply. No, that's that's number four. Number four. What's <clears throat> number one? Uh, let's see. Ten crack commandments. Uh, now I have to I have to run back the whole shit <clears throat> in my head because I know I know because it goes number four. No, you heard this before. Never get high on your own supply. Number five, never sell no crack where you rest at. I don't care if they want an ounce, tell them to bounce. Number six, that goddamn credit, dead Forget it. it. You think a crackhead paying you back, shit, forget it. Seven, this rule is so underrated. Keep your family and business completely separated. Money and blood don't mix like two chicks with no dicks. Find yourself in serious shit. That's Biggie Small. I can't remember one now. It goes... Oh, that, uh, fuck! How does it start? Now it's bothering the shit out of me. Now it's just I'm I'm trying to look it up right now. What Biggie, is number Biggie one? Smalls, Dave Ramsey, probably mo- the most credit. important one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like crack's falling off recently. It's <laughs> a hell of a statement. Okay, we actually have a guest coming up in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about wh- where we're at with crack right now. <laughs> Made me an animal. The rules to the shit. Wrote me a manual, step-by-step booklet for you to get. Game on track, not your wig pushed back. Rule number uno, never let no one know how much dough you hold. Because you know that cheddar breed, jealousy, especially when that man fucked up. Get your ass stuck up. There we go. So never let anybody know how much money you have. Sounds like B was a Republican. (laughs) (laughs) Breaking news on March 9th. Yeah, because they'll get taxed. They'll tax you for that. Let's, yeah. ha- let's embrace debate. It's time to have the discussion. <laughs> Biggie was a Trump supporter. It was Biggie. Yeah, Biggie, Abraham Lincoln, both Republicans. <laughs> yep. uh, today's episode is brought to you by 3 Chi. Here are the 3 Chi commandments. <laughs> Numero uno. It's federally legal. You can get it delivered to your door. You can get it shipped. No problem. Uh, rule number two. 
Three uh, Chi has the highest quality cannabis products from the Delta 9 edibles and the industry leading Delta 8 products to their new line of Delta 90 vapes and everything in between. Rule number four, when you buy 3 Chi, you know you're getting the highest quality impurity taste and that craveably potent buzz every single time. All their products are formulated by a biochemist and made in the USA with USA grown hemp. And macrodosing listeners get an exclusive 15% discount on all three cheese premium THC products. Go to 3chi.com, use promo code MACRO15 to take 15% off your order. Must be 21 or older to purchase. Please use it responsibly, but we're giving you 15% off. How did I say did I say 10% big T? No. Did I say eleven percent? No, higher. Thirteen. Go, nope. higher. Go higher. Fourteen. Mm-hmm. Higher. 15% off. Go to 3chi.com. Use promo code MACRO15. Take 15% off your order. 3chi.com. All right, we're back. We got Arian in studio again. It's been nice to have you here. You got your, your Louis Vuitton luggage with you. Man, you had to do that, huh? I mean, oh, rule number one, don't let people know how much money you have. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's a website that tracks. That kind of sucks, doesn't it? That there's a website out there. Your, your career earnings are totally public. Yeah, but... It, it, it's not that accurate. What does mine say? I don't even know. Okay, I'll look it up. Actually, Big T, can you pull that up? I for think me? you've said a number, and I looked up the number, and they were very close. Let's see. It does. It, it only does on the field earnings, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just that kind of con- sucks that everybody contract. knows how much you're making. Well, I mean, in a couple cents, yes, but in a couple cents, no. Uh, right. It's a good problem to have, yeah, I, I guess. But thirty-seven, seven. Yeah, it was around there. Uh, but it was around thirty-seven million seven hundred forty-eight thousand one hundred sixty-one. Yeah. You said that's about right. <laughs> Very specific. Yeah. Why is it sixty-one? Like who cuts a, a sixty-one dollar? The Miami Dolphins uh, in twenty sixteen <laughs> eight hundred eighteen thousand one hundred sixty-one dollars. Oh, yeah. Did fine. you get direct deposit or paycheck? I did direct deposit. I've heard I've heard stories about some teams that. Uh, until recently, we're using paper checks that they'd write you. That's fucking insane. Yeah. I think, who was it? Was it Fitzy? It was some quarterback that was talking about when they got their um, first big paycheck, they just drove up to like the Bank of America drive through to try to deposit it. That's How do you it was like, oh, maybe it's Chris Cooley. I, they, I, I think guess if you don't know, yeah, if you don't know, if you don't know, then you like take. I think he took like a three million dollar check. Yeah. <laughs> Bank of America is like, hey, can you can you cash this for me? <laughs> what else? Yeah, I, to do? I have a question. Mm-hmm. How does how does that work? Yeah, like, because so normal bank accounts are only insured up to like two hundred fifty grand, right? Yeah. So do you have like is it in like a Merrill Lynch account or something? I have several different accounts like spread across. But are they like normal banks or like investment banks? You have like like you're like considered like special clientele and so there's a lot of rules that get bent. There's a lot of things that they do in order to protect you. A lot of insurance that you buy, a lot of stuff like that. Do you have to um looking back on it? Are you rich too? What the fuck you mean do you have to? <laughs> what the fuck is he talking about? No, I'm, That's right. I'm not. I don't have that money. What if there was a uh, a website that tracked like what bloggers, made? podcasters, <laughs> yeah, podcasters, seventy five k episode, more than that, ninety two thousand episode. Really? But we converted it. Now we're getting uh, four bored apes instead of we, we converted it all over. <laughs> and yeah. at a discount yeah. now. NFTs, crypto, we're heavy in that, so we get four bored apes per episode <laughs> and a slurp juice, <laughs> which you can then use to make more apes. That really fell obviously. off quick. Is it the Fortnite? Slurp juice? Uh, yeah, that's slurp juice. <laughs> was it? Slurp juice, it was, I don't know what it was. I just remember when slurp juice came out as like an NFT enhancer oh, or whatever. Okay. At that point, everybody out there should have been like, this is all bullshit. Yeah. I, I was so, because I remember when we first started talking about NFTs, me and Big T immediately were like, yo, this is the stupidest shit in the world. 
they fell off more quickly than I anticipated too. I was I wasn't sure about their longevity, but I knew it wasn't going to last. I knew it, was, it wasn't going to last. And it, it, they be still like every now and then you get DM spammed by like with a bored ape guy. Yeah. With a, with a logo on his uh, avatar. The, the reason I have no sympathy for big NFT people is that they were the ones out there that would just be like, have fun being poor yeah. whenever you'd be skeptical about it. Yeah. Like they were dickheads. Absolutely. They were real. They still are too. Real dickheads. Watch. Just watch. It's still going to pop off. All right, fam. I'm still hodling on my uh, my Dogecoin. So hopefully that'll bounce Where's that at soon. right now? Oh my God. Uh, let me look it up. So how, many, how many eggs can you get for your NFT? <laughs> oh, that, I forgot that I invested in that egg company. <laughs> should I should I check the NFT prices of the ones we sold? I sold. I haven't even checked them. The the other ones for yeah, PNT? Like, or no, just the ones I drew. The I, mammoth I and shit. I haven't looked at it <laughs> in fucking. I I just haven't looked at it because I didn't even want to. Like, oh man, said see it what years. It was like it was like six months ago. So <laughs> good news, bad news. Okay. My uh, my Doge investment that I made like two and a half years ago. It's up 1,623%. Let's go. Uh, but that's down from being up like 10,000%. Oh. So it's it's come back down. The net benefit. And then I also lost uh, a bunch of money on Game Stock. So Didn't we do like Come Rocket or some shit like that too? Come, yeah, Cummies. I tried to figure out how to buy it, but it was too... You had to go through like nine different sites and do yeah. all sorts of stuff. Too much. It was absurd. It was absurd. But yeah, we've been real quiet from... From the monkey avatar people recently. Uh, knock five grand off of what I said Arian made for a suspension for a face mask against Antoine Bethea on September 17th, 2010. Yeah, that was the Colt game. Yep. Yeah. Did you ever get any like uniform violations? Oh, yeah. Socks? Oh, yeah. Socks all the time. Looking back on it, you're like, I wish I would have just worn normal socks no, and saved five thousand dollars rules because we crawl so the players now can walk. So, like, I, I was always an advocate of, like, it makes no sense. Frank Gore was like this, too. He was like, yo, it makes no sense why we can't wear our uniform to our liking for comfortability for playing purposes. So, like, I was always like, we don't need knee pads. Yeah. Like, if you, so if you looked at our knee pads, they were, like, very small. But then if it was like, it's, I think they still implement it. But cats wear now their pants above their knee, mm-hmm. where when we was playing, we got fined for that. And so we was bucking the rules so that these young boys could could do it and look way flyer cuz the way they the way they fit it now they be looking clean in the uniform guys wear knee pads that are this big yeah. and they're a foot above their knee yeah it's it's stupid cuz it's like yo we're all professionals if you want to go out there and not wear pads it, the onus is on you and you should be able to take that risk as an american big t i agree you know but your like your body your choice my body my choice yeah the knee pad america's not pro <laughs> The knee pad thing never made much sense to me. Like, what is what is the idea? Are they thinking it's going to reduce ACL injuries if you have like a quarter inch piece of kneecap of bruises? Foam? Kneecap bruises? <laughs> like, that's not a real. As far as I know, that's not a super common injury to have. Is a kneecap bruise. as a running back, my kneecaps rarely got hit like that. Yeah, the side of your knee, maybe all the time. But that, but to put braces or pads on the side of your knee that would highly restrict your running. Yeah, isn't it more for like like bleeding? purposes because like when you get your knee tore up on turf that's what i always thought I that was to prevent and i think a lot of like the nfl wanted it because they just didn't want to like to see players bleeding on the field like because i don't think that's a thing getting your knee fucked up no i don't think that that would be their reasoning knee pads for blood because i think blood is more of a, an appealing thing anytime a player bleeds that probably brings eyes to the to the tv I know, but like JJ used to bleed all the time. Everybody bleeds. Max Duggan bleeds all the time. He's a bleeder, yeah. Yeah. JJ's face would get tore up every single game. 
I thought he Cush. carried a razor with Brian, him. My dude, Brian Cushing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his nose yeah. got fucked up. Yeah, he fucking headbutted a dude with a helmet off. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. What you doing, okay? Psycho. Psycho shit. So, uh, Arian, if you had to if you had to redo your career in terms of, I mean, we've seen like, you know, the franchise tags are being put out right now. There's crazy money going to quarterbacks. Lamar is acting as his own agent right now, which that's probably going to be difficult for him when it comes to like negotiate with other teams nah, all at so, once. Nah, so I, I'll, I'll finish your question, but put a pin in that. Okay. And then we'll come back to that. Okay. So um, my question for you was going to be, if you had to redo your career, knowing what you know now, would you have played it differently in terms of holding out at certain times, like how to maximize your value, knowing that as a running back, you do have a short window to make your money? No, I played it pretty well. Uh, I was always in the, like the media tried to drum up because I, I, I won an NFL rush title 2010. My rookie deal was up. They didn't franchise tag me. They did something else where they could still pay me league minimum. Um, and they did that 2011. I had another Pro Bowl season. And so they could have franchise ta- franchise tagged me again, but the way I moved was just so I was never in any really trouble. And so that's that's I played my cards pretty well. And I, and, and even when the media was asking, I was like, "Hey, your contract years up. Like, what do you want to do? Like, what do you think they're gonna do?" I was always like, "That's gonna take care of itself. Mm-hmm. It is what it is." And granted, like not everybody can do that, right? But the way I played it was pretty smooth. And I had a good relationship with the front office at the time, so you know, I played I played it well. I, I was a good leader, you know what I mean? I handled my business. I went home. I didn't cause no trouble. I was good. I was a joy to be around, and I made the team better. So it made sense for them to pay me. You mm-hmm. know what I, mean? I, was, I wasn't a very big liability. One other question. So in 2012, you get a $12.5 million <clears throat> signing bonus. Yeah, I remember that. Do you get one check for twelve point or $7 million or whatever? No, I think original, I think at first you get – I had a $2 million. I was in New York when it happened, too. That was my first. So, matter of fact, this is a cool story. I was – um. I was in a hotel with my business manager, um, and uh, the that signing bonus hit, and the first part of it was two million dollars, two point something, and I, I and I was like, oh shit, it hit, and I'm just I'm staring at my bank account with two million dollars in it, and like this is what you like dream of as a kid to be a millionaire and just looking at it, and I remember vividly like my first thought was like, like okay, not like now what? It just it just mm-hmm. wasn't the I'm on top of a hill with a pot of gold feeling that I thought it was going to be. You know what I mean? And so it was a, it was a very aha moment for me because I was like, oh, because, you know, you hear it all the time. Like money don't make you happy. And it's an interesting study that just came out about that. Matter of fact, we'll put a pin in that as okay. well. Two pins. <clears throat> There's two pins. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was a very aha moment for me in, in, in the sense that you really realize it's just it, it it is significant. Don't don't get me wrong. It was a significant part of my life, but um, you really you really realize like, and especially as the time goes on, um, like you still have to live your life. And and money is a it, it's a luxury, but that luxury can only give you so much. Before, but that, but I remember that vividly. And so, so so how long until you got the whole thing? Uh, I think the rest was distributed throughout the season. And so, yeah. So, like the first year. Yeah, I think. Okay. I think so. That that year, I made like twelve something. Did you buy anything cool when that check hit? No, I paid off all my mom's debt. I retired my mom. Uh, I, I had to get a car. My man's he he. The only reason why I got a car because I was leasing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was leasing because there's this company in Houston that was just doing a deal with me. I was like, I go sign autographs, and then they would lease a car to me. And so I'd never had a car before. And so my first car I got, which I just got rid of. Uh, was uh, I got a, I got a Range Rover. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
That's a that's a sweet deal where you sign autographs. It was dope. Just let you have a car. It was dope. Yeah, you should. Why didn't you just keep that going? I was going to, but he was like, "Bro, get a car." And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I yeah, was, but you could have after they stopped giving you one for free. No, they'd have kept doing it my whole career. But I was just, I think, I think more so than anything, it's like go driving every. I think it was like every Tuesday, driving there every Tuesday, and then having to sign autographs, smile and kissing babies and shit. That kind of wore on me. Where I was like, I'll just get a car. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, but you still have your luggage that you bought. Yes, this is the first piece of luggage I ever bought. And this was more peer pressure than it was anything else. Because like when you go to the locker room, not necessarily peer pressure, but when you go to the locker room full of like millionaires. Yeah, you're around it. And you're around it. But you see a higher quality of material stuff, mm-hmm. right? And so my first two years, I had, uh, you know, the Jones you get from like Target, like the Swiss. Yeah, Swiss bag. I had those for two years in the league, and everybody used to laugh and shit. I'm like, shit works. But what I noticed that over time, like this shit to be breaking, mm-hmm. and like so, so this I've had since 2012, and I've had no issues with it except for the zipper. The zipper, the yeah, zipper, looks a little zipper. janky right there. Not just just one though, you know. The other one's still holding on strong. But yeah. other than that, this luggage has held up, and you travel a lot too. You've, yeah, I travel all the time. So I all the time. yeah, there, there's a case to be made to spending money on on nice things that'll last. I believe you for there's a while. three things that you should you you get what you pay for. Luggage, shoes, and belts. Belts. Okay, I've belts, never been yeah. a belt guy. Belts, one hundred percent. When you when you spend money on a belt, like they last. They okay. Last. But I don't have any more pants, so. <laughs> <laughs> so then the belt just Boot. hangs up on your wall. Leather goods. Yeah. Yeah, you get boots. nice leather. It's just quality. Boots. Like when you when you pay, for the majority of stuff, like when you pay for it, you get quality. You get what you pay for. Yeah, don't cheap out on belts out there. Yeah, I would throw beds into there also. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. nice bed. That goes Although my way. bed now is a lot cheaper than my bed before, and I'm way happier with it. But I've really realized that I need a harder surface to sleep on than a more comfortable one. So it might be a me thing. Until recently, I was an IKEA guy all the time for my beds just because it was the easiest to do. And beds break within a year or two and it's it's better to put more money into a bed knowing that it's going to last you than to to get one that you're going to be sleeping on for like two years and buy another one there's an old saying that says it's expensive being poor yeah constantly have to buy shit that breaks yeah my my luggage is not good that i have i just packed a bag i'm going to (laughs) chicago tonight i've got really two two things of luggage that i i switch back and forth from one is a bag kind of like that except uh it's got one of the handles. You know how when you extend the handle to wheel it around, mm-hmm. one of those metal rods is completely gone. So it's just got one. It looks like a cane. It looks like I'm wheeling around to the point where people think that it's like a new style of luggage Lit. that only has one thing. It's like, no, it's just extre- extremely broken. And then I've got another uh, tiny little bag that people always make fun of. It's the smallest rolling suitcase that you've ever seen in your life. It's probably about the size of like a little bit bigger than my laptop. Mm. And it's perfect for a weekend trip, but I, I do feel heavily emasculated carrying it through an airport because people are like, what is, what's the deal with the tiny bag here? I feel that. Uh, so uh, we've got two pins to get back to. I okay, wrote them down. Pins. Pin number one, Lamar Jackson just got tagged. Right. He got the non-exclusive tag. He's representing himself yes. in this entire situation. So how that goes mm-hmm. is there is nobody that, and there may be an exception, uh, but the majority of cats that represent themselves there is somebody behind them that understands contractual things. They have a lawyer. They definitely have a lawyer. Or they have uh, some kind of consulting uh, body behind them. They're just saying, uh, as an agent, and this is <clears throat> excuse me, this is true for any agent in general. I believe 
the wealth of information is going to cut out the middleman. And that's what agents are, is they're middlemen. They're the liaison from the office, the from one party to the next in a deal. And as information is more readily available, that need is less and less. That's why you see uh, agents' percentages dwindling down. Like it used to be standard was 3%. And when I was in the league, it was 3%. Yeah. And I remember telling my agent, you're only getting two. And I'm giving one to my brother. And that was like, he was like, well, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. And I was like, well, I'll find somebody else. That wants He's like, no, well, no I, ain't, I ain't saying that. And I'm like, well, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about then? Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> that's what players are starting to understand. They have the leverage. And so uh, what they really realize is like, do I need an agent at all? Really? And you, you need representation at certain times, but you can just pay a consultant fee and and do it yourself. Or you can have somebody behind the scenes and give them a lesser percentage than what you're going to give your agent. So nobody's out here like going over the, the numbers by themselves. They say the market is the market. Your play is your play. And you can get a little higher, a little lower, depending on how you, you do it. But you're going to get about what, you, what you're worth. I, I understand that concept. I also think that there might be value to having an agent because they would be the ones that could. They've got contacts in all the front offices. I think- so it, when it comes time to like, leveraging yourself and to finding another team that could potentially bid on you and then using that number to drive up the number of the team that you really want to sign with that could be valuable having an agent that's making contact with you know 30 different teams seeing what that market is saying for you at the time in order to drive up value at home i think that's only true for the lower to lower tier players there's definitely uh use for agent for, for cats who are like special teams players or on the bubble roster guys because they're like, okay, I got a contact at, you know, Philadelphia who you need a special teams guy. I got to hit, check his phone. Like that kind of shit. Yeah, absolutely. But when you talk about top tier Pro Bowl players, pick up the phone and everybody's going to answer it. Are you in the market for a quarterback or a wide receiver that's an all pro? Let's talk. It's, it would be very funny to see Lamar just like working the phones on his own. <laughs> like calling with his, little, with his Oakley's on? Yeah. <laughs> How does that impact like uh, relationships with GMs with like if you're advocating for yourself? Because like wouldn't it be kind of weird like hypothetically like the situation flipped like let's say I for example I'm representing myself in, in this scenario mm-hmm. and I'm going to other companies shopping myself. You guys would be like what the fuck? Like I wouldn't. Isn't there that Right, but isn't there that element of where, like, there's an emotional nah, nah, part nah. where it's like, like I, I don't a likability so. thing and affects relationships. I don't think so. I think in general, everybody in in the league understands like, yo, this is business first, right? And so we got to deal with the business side of it. And part of the business side is some guys want to have representation, some guys want to have representation that's a little less involved, whatever the case may be. Uh, for the most part, uh they understand it's a business. Now you're going to have your one-offs where people don't like, you know, personalities and yada, yada, yada. That that will always be the case. But in general, I don't think it's something that they harp on. It's, it has been the norm. Having an agent has been the norm. And like our generation kind of started breaking out of that norm. Um, and so that was probably frowned upon then. But nowadays, nah, it's just like, yo, let's get the deal done so we can play. I, I do think that Billy might be onto something, though, that if you're the one that's doing the ne- negotiation with your own GM, your GM is going to give you some bad news and be like, no, I don't think you're worth X, Y, Z. And they have there's not that layer in between. So your agent can filter the bad news out and make it seem like they're not shitting on you. But if it's just you and the GM, they're shitting on you face to face. 
that that I could see that irritating some guys. Maybe not all guys that understand I mean, it's a business, yeah. but I could see some people getting pissed off about that. Well, sure, because I mean that's what when you're dealing with negotiations, it's not like, well, I think I should get twenty. Well, I think you should get nineteen. They don't talk like that. They'll talk like, well, you you were injured two games last year, yeah. right? And so we got to take that in consideration. Like that's you know under this under the, under the deal that you're proposing, that's forty million dollars. Like like we can't we can't have forty million dollars. That's how they talk, mm-hmm. right? And so if you're savvy enough to have those conversations with the gm then you got to be man enough to understand like the leverage that you're talking with is is your play they're critiquing your play and they're critiquing your personality they're critiquing everything about you because they're investing in you as a human being yeah. and so you got to take emotions out of the table if you if you if you at the table mm-hmm. like you have to do that and if you don't do that then yeah it could ruin a relationship but that's more on you than it has to do with the actual right. relationship but, but what if you like counter that like you're like oh you were hurt two games last season and then it's like well you know how i got hurt because you paid these guys to be my offensive linemen and they suck so sure. you should be paying me more to stay here behind that line and then it's like oh you're shitting on your teammates and it's like well, no well you just shat on me for being injured See, so I, then it's no, like, I don't think i don't think emotions get involved like because it's business yeah. it is it is business so you like you can you can counter and say well look 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 what happened in those two games that i missed y'all 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 didn't have this amount of production and whoop whoop like that's business like yeah. when i'm when i'm not there like y'all don't have as much production mm. that that is the reason why you should pay me that extra money and they'll look at that and take it into consideration that's how that's how those negotiations are done that's how the, that's how the agents do it like when I first was doing my was doing my deal, my agent came to me and he they they offered me sixteen million total, and we were like, "Yo, get the fuck out of here!" Like that's that's their job. Their job is to lowball, and our job is to is to is to sell. That's business. Mm-hmm. And so if you're if you're at the table, you should understand how that shit goes, or you shouldn't be at the table. You should get representative. Hmm. There was another case this year. I think Roquan Smith he represents himself. He was linebacker on the Bears. Ended up in a pretty good situation for him. He got yeah. traded to the Ravens. I remember uh, Florio from Pro Football Talk was talking about the pros and cons of representing yourself at the time. He was saying one of the pros would be if you're asking for a trade, you could the agent could be reaching out to all the possible trade teams, putting together the structure of the long-term deal that you will sign after you get traded, and then you can let your team know which teams you would like to be traded to if you have a no-trade clause in your contract, which I – I, but you could do that. See, I don't. If you have, if you have the time and if you have the 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 drive to do it. See, the media cats. I don't trust anything that they say, uh, as far as why it's it's a it's a pro thing to have an agent because that's where they get all the information from. Like all the at Shefty, all these cats, they get it from agents. That's true. All, all the insider information is just from agents, and so and they pay for that information, right? You give me twenty thousand dollars, I give you this tip. That's how that shit works. So like, they have an incentive to keep agents in play. Mm. Right, I don't. Wait, did you just break some news there? Are you saying that Shefty's paying for scoops? I guarantee yes. he's paying for. I don't even what. That, that's not even they pay for scoops. Of course, Leroy doesn't pay for scoops. Uh, who's Leroy? My dog. My R. I R. thought R. he died. Yeah, R. I. P. He's not paying for anything. <laughs> but he's he breaks news. He stole. He broke the Daniel Jones contract. I'm yeah. so oblivious to what the fuck y'all so, talking about. So so that's probably for the best. Wait wait. So <laughs> so this could be a clip. So no, what you're nice, saying nice, really nice. is that all these NFL insiders are paying agents for scoops? I would be highly surprised if if they just have good relationships with guys. It's a business, dog. Is that illegal? It's probably not illegal, is it? Huh. Why would for it be information? Illegal? A consulting fee of ways? Yeah. It's, it's, it's an entertainment industry. Isn't the NFL registered as an entertainment industry? So how does that get That's taxed? Why it's <laughs> huh? How does that get taxed? Is it like a you have to you have to like you have to claim you have to 
you have to pay money on any income that you have. I would like right. to see Shefty's taxes. Yeah, I want to see all these guys' taxes. <laughs> yeah, the fuck. Open it up. Hold on, y'all. Y'all thought they were just they just had great relationships. I thought it was like a you know this information. I mean, those I'll tell the, you those agents are getting their guys' names out there, and they yes. can they can craft the narrative absolutely. So that's a benefit for them to do. It's it. no, it's a win win as far as but that's why it's incentivized for these 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 pundits to pump up agents and say you have to have it. like Drew Rosenhaus. Like why is he why is he always on ESPN and shit? Like, yeah, come on, fam. he's marketing himself. Of course, it's just it it would be very funny to me. Like thinking about like an, an agent that just signed, whether it's da say Daniel Jones, I work for athletes first. I just signed Daniel Jones to a contract at the deadline. And then I'm like, I got to tell Rap Sheet. <laughs> Rap Sheet needs to know about it. like the first call that you make yeah. is to a reporter. I But it's also good. So like, if I, I don't know if they're actually paying for scoops. Okay, as an, as an agent though, right? As uh -huh. an agent, it behooves me to have it out there that I just negotiated a blockbuster deal because I look like, look what I did. Yes. So they, the 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 media guys pay me whatever it is. I don't know what their deals is. It to, for, for scoops like that, it's great for me because I look like I'm a fucking deal maker. It's great for you because you got the inside scoop first. Mm -hmm. It's a win-win deal on both their so ends. They're, they're both there, incentivized to have that relationship. There's sometimes when Shefty will put out the, the details of a new deal and he'll list the agents by name. Like this yeah. contract... Was negotiated by so and so. I bet you. I bet you he on a payroll. I would imagine like reporters probably take them to nice dinners and stuff. I don't know mm -hmm. about directly paying them. That's the code of journalism. But but like but, but you just said you just said like it, it behooves the agent to have that information out there and to put. If you look, those those insider guys will often tweet things verbatim. Like two guys will tweet the exact same thing because they just copy and paste it from a text message that an agent sent them. So the agent can craft the narrative and have it out there how they want it, which so, but that means that they wouldn't necessarily need a, a financial incentive to do that. The financial incentive is in- But not every journalist is getting that information. True. So you, you would pay for the first dip. So if I have, so if I have breaking news and I'm an agent, I got four guys that I know as soon as they tweet it, it's gonna get out and that's gonna be the, the running narrative. Like those guys will absolutely pay for that information. I'm sure. Why they, wouldn't you sell that? I'm sure they make sense. They do indirectly. I, 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 like I said, I don't have any proof of that, but it would, it would surprise. Oh, so me. they would choose which insider? Yeah. Okay, now, now, because yeah. like, how does, how, why give it to? Because for in my head, I mix up all the insiders all the time. They're like all the same. Ian yeah. Rapport, there, Adam Schefter, they're, they're the like, same. they're like, I mix them all up. But so like it's Wait, who else were you gonna say? You were gonna say Darren Ravel, he's not an insider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Darren Ravel's not an insider. I have no idea. I just follow him on Twitter and they stuff pops up and I don't even look at who's saying it. He's paying MLK's grandchildren for, for access to, <laughs> yeah. to the rookie His cards. library of nine <laughs> yeah. or more yeah. MLK artifacts. <laughs> Like I mix them all up, so they're just paying to get this. Okay, so it's a it's competition amongst the insiders. It's causing the payment, not the okay. If, well, when I first when I first was in the league, and I, for whatever reason, shit that I do becomes like controversial. And so when I first started just existing in the NFL, like I, I would have like stories out there about me that kind of like blew up, and reporters started reaching out to me like on a personal like, hey man, it's exchange information, and I knew them, and so I was like, yeah. And, and every now and then they hit me. He's like, "Hey, do you know what's going on with the Woody Woo? And I just be like, "No, fam." Yeah. No. And so they 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 try to weasel their win, and I guarantee I guarantee you, some of them getting paid. I got that, that shit is so. Where's the known. where's the money coming from? Their pockets or are they expensing their 
expensing I mean, their payments. Probably expensive, but I don't think it's that deep. So like it could the be ESPN. Like it could be a uh, a business expense, I guess. Yeah, if if you go down to it. But I mean, it depends on how much they're paying. Like, all that shit is up in the air. But it, I, I guarantee they're it's probably it. not. If they were to pay, what would the market be for? If you're a, a general manager and you've got one guy that you want to like give the scoops to, if it's Schefter, hypothetically, would what would make it worth your while? Is it somewhere it's just like a thousand bucks? Nah, it's probably more than that. Yeah. You think so? For, has, a, big, a, for, for a, a big one. He has, because, a big, he has such a big reach though. But it would have to be a big scoop. So now he's become the guy. He's become the scoop guy. And so now it's incentivized for agents to go to him. And maybe he's collecting checks now. Hmm. Like, Shefty, I'll pay you yeah. $5,000 if you yeah. put this information out mm -hmm. about my client before you publish the GM's narrative mm -hmm. about it. Oh, it's a mm. it's a business. That's... Entertainment is a business, though. Oh, you thought it, you you thought guys were just out here doing good journalism, fam? I, I don't know. <laughs> I there just... there certainly is a relationship, but it yeah. there's no relationship. What does Shefty do? What is he, he? There's no relationship. He's just been there, and how he got there was just weaseling his way into conversations that don't have nothing to do with him. He's good at it. Yes, but like you said, now he's, he's just at a point. Now. He's at a point that now having your narrative put out by him is beneficial to you. Right. So you wouldn't necessarily need to be paid for that. Like you're getting you're getting a financial reward in your client's contract. So I, may, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yes, but what I'm saying is that I I don't know they personal deals. I, I I that was the premise of this. But it would it would surprise me if there's not hands being washed in e either side of that trade. Like for for lower tier agents, it would make sense for them to go to 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 chef to to give them the the news. For higher tier agents, it would make sense for Shefty to pay for that. PFT's for sure texting an NFL insider right now. I can see it on his face. <laughs> I'm about to. Do you pay for I, scoops? I think you're I'll give right. you 20K to tell you're me if you right, do or don't. Yeah. But I think the incentive is inherent in the the exchange of information. Like, Schefter has relationships with this guys, these guys to be able to get information, which helps him with his job. And then those guys have a relationship with him to put the information that they want out there. Sure. Like, it benefits both of them without yeah. any money exchanged. But see, I think that's I'm sure they they're taking each other to nice dinners and shit. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm definitely, a, I'm, definitely I'm a, a dinner circuit. I'm unsure yeah. about now. Right. But definitely. OK, so if so if I got a younger agent, right, I'm new in the game and I got a lower tier guy who happened to pop off and he has a big contract. It makes sense for me to get that news out there and control that narrative. Right. But for Chef, it's like it's gonna come anyway. Like, what's the, what's the incentive? Here's the incentive. Yeah, I can't mm. speak to that because that I mean this that industry you're talking about is like six people, so it's not, I can't <laughs> I can't speak this, to someone trying gross. to break into that. Yeah. This yeah, wasn't in Jerry Maguire, so if you're totally <laughs> if you're trying to break into the industry, paying money for scoops is probably a good way to do it. Yeah, that's your is that your guy? Did he hit you back? He, they're not always yet. on their phone, so not yet. That's what I'm saying. Well, Maybe. they're they're busy this week because yeah. it's yeah franchise tag week. Yeah, hmm. I'm gonna, we, I'm gonna we, get that. I'm gonna get the Taylor Heineke scoop. I just know it. Like, I mean, Leroy is gonna get the Taylor Heineke scoop. Do you think that is he is he is he texting from the grave? They're giving yeah, him he treats. Is. He's working. He's working behind the scenes. T-bone steak. Yeah, I'll, I'll tweet it. <laughs> what was the? That was another um, pin. Oh, uh, does money money and happiness? Yep. Oh yeah, there was a study that came out um, 
they have been studying this since the 30s. 19, it's like what, they, they proclaim it like one of the longest scientific studies of all time. Whoa. And so they've been, they've been studying happiness. And they, through all walks of life, so poor, rich, all alike. And it was a book. I, I wanted to get it so I could read it for this trip. But uh, it came on Sunday when I left, after I left. But um, so basically, I was listening to, the, to, to one of the doctors and the authors of the paper and the book. And he was uh, basically saying um how they're not i mean the because usually you've heard like the seventy five thousand dollar number like anything mm -hmm. above that it's not necessarily a, a number is what they found but it's like if your basic needs are taken care of they found no evidence that extra money makes you more happy hmm. uh, above your your and then they had the, the interesting part about this study was they had famous people non-famous people poor people rich people and one of them he's like we didn't out him I think somebody in this camp outed him. JFK was actually a part of the study. Wow, it was really dope. Yeah, Whoa. and so and so like yeah, so they I mean they 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 factored in many variables and they did they do diligence. Obviously, you know I haven't read the paper yet, but I was just I I, I saw an interview and I ordered the book, and I'm eager to uh, to dive into it. But it, it looks fascinating. So taking care of your basic needs that's not having to worry about. That small day to day yeah. stuff, I would imagine, would be a huge boost in yes. your happiness, or at least it removes a lot of common stressors. Yes. But after that, we're all human. We all deal with our own personal shit yeah. that affects us equally. But if you have a lot of money, you can also get nice things, go on nice vacations. But that's what they're saying. That sort of thing. They're saying more money doesn't, there, there's no correlation to the more mm -hmm. money that you have that, that more happiness comes from that. that that's what they're conclusion was well, that's I, I saw, it's very yeah. buddhist isn't it like some some monks truly believe that if you have nothing at all then you're the happiest well, now their their basic needs are met because they live in a monastery right. that sort of thing but um yeah well, Billy? i saw two things one on the buddhist thing if they they also just like don't want to want anything listen up we've got some tea and you all are going to be obsessed we spoke with the abercrombie team and they told us that they were going to launch a wedding shop well, we lost it because as you know, we are both getting ready to get Abercrombie and hitched. The whole vibe of Abercrombie these days is clothes you'd wear for a perfect long weekend and all their customers were like, hey, we spend long weekends traveling for weddings these days. And then Abercrombie was like, we love that. Let us just give you everything you could ever possibly want and love to wear for all things wedding. So they did. It has everything. Tons of dresses, jumpsuits, pants, swimsuits, pajamas, pantsuits, and all perfectly curated for different events, bachelorettes, brunches, showers, ceremonies as a guest and ceremonies as a bride, reception, and even honeymoon. It is incredible. Check out the Abercrombie Wedding Shop on Abercrombie.com. Go shop it now. They, once you get rid of that- Your desire. Your desire to do- mm -hmm. Yeah. Because then you'll be happy if you don't want anything. But also, I was reading a study. I don't know, it might have been the same one. It was something I read a couple of years ago. No, this one just came out. That people, uh, that it, it basically who made the money also determines it. Like, for example, someone with $5 million who inherited it is less happy than someone who made $5 million themselves. Say that one more time. Uh, inherited wealth versus created wealth oh uh so do you have yeah. an inside scoop i do have i got a scoop on the scoop game <laughs> did you have to pay for it <laughs> you got a scoop on a scoop what's the scoop saying what's the double scoops game i said settle a bet do any insiders ever pay for scoops he wrote back yes what just found out about it actually 
If you asked me this one week ago, I would I would have said no way. Bang. Interesting. Who's your source? I'm not what the tell fuck? You the fuck? Fuck? Really? <laughs> I paid for that scoop. I was trying to get free scoops. <laughs> you can pay me, and then I'll tell you. That's wild, dude. dude. I, what it's, it's not it makes so much sense. It seems like a Black Mirror episode where every every single transaction that you have with somebody on a day to day basis, somebody's paying you money for something. <laughs> like you hold, I mean, you hold a door, and somebody's like, you "Give me my five dollars." Credit score, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Oh, what would you man. pay the? What would you pay for, like, in a day-to-day interaction that you have, like something that you do every single day? What's worth laughs? If someone makes yeah. you laugh, here's a tip. Yeah, man, because I, I, it would incentivize people to try to make me laugh more. Because that's one of the funnest shit in the world is laughing, and it makes you feel better. Yeah, it makes me feel better. It increases what is it, serotonin? Yeah, yeah. a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, someone. Yeah. I'm not good with those actually. No, I might dock some points for that. Okay, I'm not. I'm not good with compliments. I'm good with taking them. People be like, yeah. "You're, yeah, I appreciate it." Also, I like. I get like. I would pay to like hold the door open for someone else. No, like I that gives We've me talked like, about that when that I hold the door open for somebody. That's that's an asshole move. I know, but like I get like I feel good about it. Yeah, but you're being a dick. No, wait, no, but wait, wait, about what? This. We didn't talk. I thought we talked about this. When you're far I away, when call. that's what I'm saying. When now some, that's different. Okay, that's what yeah, I'm saying. That's okay. it's you gotta be okay, good at depending it. on how far you are away from when somebody holds the door for you. That's an asshole move. Yeah. I've almost stopped doing it because I've done it for people in New York and no one ever says thank you and it makes me mad. Yeah. Because you're being an asshole. No, if you're if if someone's walking behind you and you hold the door open for them, that's right. not being an asshole. No, that's not. If if they're six feet away or more and you hold the door for them, you're a dick. That yeah, if they're far away, yeah. yes, that's different. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's entirely. I entirely know it's selfish that mm-hmm. like when I'm doing things, like even though it's nice for them, like but that but that's like the psychology of it. No, like not why do people? I, I, I no, was, but why do people donate money it's for themselves to make like feel better? I was yeah. thinking about this the other day because I was in a, a situation where somebody, um, like took credit for doing a very nice thing, and I I saw that person and I was like. That was a very good thing that you did. You're taking your, you're, but you're acknowledging it publicly. It's a little bit selfish, but you still did the nice thing. When I had done a very similar thing, but I didn't make it public. But then I thought to myself, wait, the reason I did my thing too was like, it did make me feel better. Mm-hmm. So it was selfish as well when I did it, mm-hmm. not publicly. So like you do, sometimes people do nice things uh, and, they do it for a purely selfish reason for themselves. Maybe not purely selfish, but it's not. Yeah, you but, get but you there's get a bit. You get a reward of being. Uh, you think to yourself, like I did something good. Like that little high. Yeah, I don't, high, I don't think like, it's binary though. Yeah. I think I think it, it could be like a Venn diagram thing where you may feel good because of it, but you also know that doing it's for somebody else. Like yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like it's it's not mutually exclusive. Like yeah, I feel good because I'm doing good for something somebody else but i'm still doing something for somebody else i guess what well, it, it feels good i mean yeah. I, but like if you but you, i don't know if it feels good but it's not for you like i don't know it's like kind of like a drug okay so for example this is how we can settle that if if you're extremely happy for somebody mm-hmm. you know you just got a new contract i don't have shit to do with that but i'm extremely happy for you it makes me feel good that you feel good as a human being mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with me that's altruistic Yes, that is. Okay. I would agree with that. Yeah. For sure. But but in the sense, that's why I feel like if I do something good for you, I can feel good from it, but it's not necessarily why I'm doing it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. The motivation yeah. makes a difference. Yeah. Like, are yeah. you Are you doing it? Just, oh yeah. If you know you're gonna feel good yeah. by doing it. Yeah. I'm I'm doing it because it makes you feel good. But it in me feeling good is a byproduct of that. Okay. But what if you know you're gonna feel that byproduct? That's okay too. Okay. So it's so. So when I hold the doors open and give up my seat on trains, it's, it's okay. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Now, if you okay. if you like raise your hand and be like, check it out, everyone. <laughs> Gave this, you know, your your old teammate, uh, JJ, mm-hmm. we used to bust his balls because he would be a guy that would be like, saw an active duty military member on a plane today, gave him my seat in first class. Or like he'd make sure that, that people saw him doing it so that they would put it out. He, I don't think JJ ever, he might have actually. I wouldn't put it past him to be like, I, I did this at one point to like set a good example or whatever. But um to let people know that you do that, right. not that great. Now, at the end of the day, the active duty military person is still sitting in first class. I, to, to be fair, I've done something similar, but I was trying to, this was in my like love, peace and happiness days. Uh, I was trying to like start a thing. I did like a, a ROK, random acts of kindness. And okay. so I would be like, okay, today I did this, like hopefully I'll, can find some and, and, and I do that today. I, you know, paid for the groceries behind. Me. Hopefully, I'll do it today. I helped somebody fix a flat tire. Whatever. I, I, know I did it for like a week or whatever. And after a while, people were like, You're just trying to be. And I was like, Okay, yeah, I feel you. It makes, it makes sense to look at it from that point of view. But I can see the other side where it's like, Nah, I'm just trying to inspire, inspire somebody else that might do, see that. Yeah. And then they'll do their they'll own do their thing. thing. Uh, what is it called? Uh, pay it forward. Pay it forward. Man. Yeah. I had a, uh, a co worker who used to, I think, once a month, he would have We're starting like, to finish each other's sentences, man. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. I had a coworker that used to. Uh, it would be once a month, same. I, it was like the first Saturday of every month. He'd go to a grocery store and he'd see he'd look for like a single mom shopping for groceries mm-hmm. and very uh, obviously like a uh, somebody maybe not single mom but a a woman that was there by herself mm-hmm. that was uh, shopping for like diapers, single formula, at the time, you know. things. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> It was a mill funner, yeah. No. Uh, and you remember that guy? Yes. We need to find. I would like to hunt the mill funner and see what he's. Like are we talking about the same mill funner? I think no. We're talking one. about. We're talking about. There's two mill funners. There's a guy there's that that hunter. worked on Caller Daddy that used to call himself the mill funner. Oh. But no, the original mill funner was a porn star yeah. from like the early 2000s, mm-hmm. late late 90s, probably. Slayer. He was a legend. So yeah. his whole thing would be he would go to a a grocery store or a park and he'd pretend like he was having like a camera that was just following him around. And then he would go up to a woman and then just hit on her and then take her back to his house and have sex with her. Now, granted it was probably set up, but Oh, definitely. So, but for a while it was like, no, this guy's just yeah, got a immaculate game. Well, he's like top, top three. So we got him, Ron Jeremy, which is, he's a sleazeball. But, yeah. And then there was another dude. Who's Peter it? North. I don't know. Peter North. I know dude with the, he, uh, he's the John Holmes. Nah, he's black dude wore a cap. You probably didn't watch black porn though. I don't. I I did. I never frequented the ebony section. Got you. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Is that racist? I don't know. Like we all have our our likes and dislikes. John Mayer got a huge kickback for a comment he made like that. He said he don't watch the ebony. No, I forget what exactly. I think he called his penis a clan member. What Nate. the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I think he said he said like my dick's David Duke or something. <laughs> what the fuck? And then everyone's like, "What the fuck, dude?" What I think it was John Mayer. What does that even mean? <laughs> uh, circling back to paying for scoops, real quick. It's not. It doesn't sound like it's common, according to this individual. 
but there was an instance of an insider that allegedly did it um and this was the first time that uh my source had become aware of the situation where it does happen so i don't think it's rampant what a timely discussion though. very timely uh, yeah not, i think it is rampant i think he just he just liked the party might be <laughs> might be I'd, uh, I'd be so pissed off if i found out that like that's how i was getting beat if if i had only just paid a thousand dollars i would i think that's more too. prevalent than not actually now i'm thinking about it is like you you go into a game or a system and you think I'm gonna climb the ranks by working hard, and you realize this shit's rigged. Rigged, yeah. That's the it's the majority of what I found in business in general. That's that's what it is. Like the game is rigged against you, like the NFL. You said it, Billy. <laughs> yeah, <it's> scripts. <laughs> I'm get a hand of the script your rookie year. You're like, what the hell? I, mm-hmm. I'm excited. By the way, I'm working on draft day too. I'm I plan I, on how you have you not reached out to me? You know, well we did. We talked. Nah, about I feel it. like you undercutting my my idea. Okay. You said I'm working on draft day. I'm working I've been working on it in terms of I've been I've been sleeping on it. So sometimes if I want to uh if I want to come up with an idea about something, I'll let my subconscious do the work. So what I'll do is I'll <laughs> right before I go to bed, I'll make sure that I concentrate on that one thing. Mm-hmm. And then in my sleep, a lot of times I'll wake up and I'll have an idea based on that. Got a little sleepy chef mm. that's 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 doing the yeah, 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 this is, yeah, yeah. I got a sleepy <laughs> chef in my head, and it's crazy how your subconscious. I see the look on Billy's face. Billy, you should try that. No, I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm like the hardest worker when I'm just like not doing any work. I'm like sleeping. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, same, hundred percent. Like when I'm sleep, like when when I, I when I was sleeping in and I missed the podcast, I was actually working. Yeah, just like rolling over some bits. Can yeah. we can we address your lip or do you want to do that? Yeah, also? they they already fucking took photos of it. I I had an allergic reaction. I don't know. My lip blew up. And we don't know what it's from. Lip filler. I'm doing lip fillers. Well, what is you don't know what it's from? Well, it's now spread throughout your entire body. No, well, it was my entire body. Now it hit my lip. Right. Is, uh, it's you, gone from the bottom of your body all the way to the top. Yeah. Are you? Do you is it the same allergic reaction? I, I don't know. I, I'm seeing the allergies on Friday, but I think they're going to tell me that they can't do anything because I'm still taking the anti, getting shot up with Toradol and anti-inflammatories. I didn't get it's another a, it's shot. Affecting your speech a little bit. The lip, I know. Yeah, it sounds like you're drunk. Yeah, might as well just. Oh, yeah. no one will be able to tell. There you go. I'll be right back. Wait, are you falling asleep every night thinking about Hatman, and then that's why yes. he appears in your dreams? No, yeah. I mean, they've given me stronger and stronger antihistamines, so I'm having worse and worse fights with the hat man <laughs> the hat's getting bigger yeah. <laughs> like, no, literally, i tweeted i literally tweeted last night i was like actually thinking last night i was like do i even want to take like would i rather just stay awake itching all night and like being in pain or actually like go toe-to-toe with the hat man once again man, my man's having freddy krueger vibes yeah. <laughs> yeah. It literally i think the hat freddy krueger is based on the hat man he's got that hat is he yeah he's based off of sleep paralysis demon somebody somebody uh replied to the tweet on uh that we put out when billy was talking about the hat man saying oh billy's mistaking tiktok for his actual life again yeah, I saw that. <laughs> no but like sleep sleep paralysis like figures is is a very well-studied scientific yes. phenomenon yes. yeah but you acting like we've all seen the hat man well I, I just i guess none of you've had sleep paralysis i have had sleep paralysis where before. you think oh, you see yeah. someone at the base of your bed yeah you try to move you try to scream you right. can't yeah that's yeah, so not that's my the, so they call it paralysis experience yeah. what happens when you're asleep paralysis? so I, I don't see any figures uh i just can't move but i have auditory hallucinations sometimes oh and so like the first time it happened i thought i was insane it, it it's like i had like this vivid 
of like lunch uh schoolyard kids mm. just talking and like basketball in the background and like I'm I'm I can't move and I'm like what the f-? but I was like loud very loud I didn't know what was going on until they explained to me it's like your body's in REM and it's still yeah. in a dream state but you're conscious and I also sometimes have very vivid uh, uh what's it called I forget the exact term for it right now but where you can control your dream lucid dreaming lucid yeah and it's either like the sleep paralysis just got really bad some on these antihistamines but like i can have a really good lucid dream sometimes which is awesome did you so, train yourself to do that uh no i basically basically i used it kind of tra- i used to have really bad nightmares as a kid and i then realized that once i saw a monster i was like oh this isn't real this is a dream and then i would just like think of stuff that i wanted like fun stuff to do like flying in a dream i envy that so much it's like uh inception yeah. you can create your own little world but i have a life hack for people who have sleep paralysis. If you are with a young lady or a young man, uh, tell them about it. And then if, cause usually it happens in like, like, like I'll fall asleep and I'll feel it coming and I'll get out of it. But then when I fall back asleep, it comes again. And so usually I'll hold her hand and tell her, if you feel me squeezing at all, lift my hand up and then drop it. And that sensation of falling wakes your body up. But if you're by yourself, try to fall asleep with your knee up like sleep on your back and try to fall asleep with your knee up and then and you can move slightly barely and if you can get your leg to fall that sensation of falling wakes you up as well because this shit is scary and mm. so that's a little yeah. life hack that i've learned that helps me out good way to lucid dream is if you're in a, a nightmare scenario just like think hot chicks like you're like oh hot chicks but not everybody <laughs> could lose a dream it's like when you're i can't, I can't. on international women's day <laughs> oh it is huh oh yeah fuck uh yeah what, what do you say on that happy women's day happy women's day madeline thank you Yay. you're welcome sorry <laughs> thank you <laughs> for, the, for the years <laughs> That's actually the best way to. <laughs> that's the best way to, to to wish somebody a happy. <laughs> just be like, hey, my bad. Sorry, sorry, about, sorry about all. Sorry that. for like the whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing. I appreciate the apology. My, my bad. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I I I would like to start talking a little bit about Malaysia Air, if it's okay with you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Big T, what are you teed off about? Nothing, I don't think. You don't think you got your money's worth as a Biden donor? Oh yeah, that was that was like the dumbest prank of all time. You, you know, I hate someone that prank. who who I assume listens to this show. Arian, you'll get a kick out of this. Okay. Sent a uh, an envelope to the office this morning. It was a, and it says Biden Harris twenty twenty four on it, mm-hmm. and then it says like you're you're now a gold level donor. Nice that yeah. you are. Yeah, love that. So that was a sick prank. <laughs> sick prank. Totally man. got me. Who, you know what, that, who did it? Uh, I don't know. I tracked the package back to Franklin, Massachusetts. I don't know if that's. I'm assuming that's where the company is that right. sends these out. So I don't know who sent it. Yeah. Uh, a real, a real jokester though. <laughs> you know, if he'd actually <laughs> donated like to the Biden Harris campaign, that would have been more funny like, than like a prank. Name. Yeah. Yeah. Than just like paying for a prank right. thing that like. So you're saying they dropped the ball? Yeah, like what the fuck? Like, it, like if you actually wanted to like trigger, it was so dumb. It didn't. Uh, that did not tee me off at all. <laughs> so not teed off. Officially not teed off. Yeah, I don't think. Um, no, it's been a, it's been a quiet week. 
on the T front. All right, that's good. Yeah, just in just average. In, yeah, just just in general, it's a nice little average. Uh, I had something, but I can't. Your teed off? CTE. I, I believe I Adolf. was. Adolf. Whoa. <laughs> What about it? Arian is Adolf. Whoa, yes. <laughs> Too many puns for comfort right now. <laughs> so we can get into it. Yeah. And get into Malaysia Air. I got. Oh, I got to be honest first before we do. Yeah. I read up on it, so I, I'm I'm fairly aware of what's going on a mm-hmm. little bit. I tried to watch the documentary this morning, but I stayed up a little late last night, so I was in and out of sleep. Okay. And so. The funny part is, every time I woke up, because it's three episodes on Netflix, yeah. and, and literally every time I woke up, it was a Malaysian representative saying, like, we have confirmed, like, this happened. But it's like, that happened, like, four times, and it was something different every single time. And so when I, I woke up, I was very confused. Like, why do these niggas keep fucking up? It came out at 3 a.m. <laughs> How late did you stay up? Two. Oh, so you watched it when you woke up? Yeah, I watched it when I woke up this morning, and I was trying to. And then falling back asleep. Yeah, I was falling back asleep. Okay, I thought you meant you stayed up till three. No, no, no. no, 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 You should have gotten sleep paralysis so that you could have slept and watched it at the same time. Work while you sleep. Yeah. (laughs) Smart Billy. Uh, There's a lot of stuff out there about about the disappearance of Flight 370. There is that new Netflix documentary. I have not watched it yet, but I've watched a lot of other stuff and I've listened to a lot of other stuff about gotcha. this. Um, but you can watch it on Netflix right now. And yeah. It was I, good from what I've seen. I've seen most of the first episode. I, I watched part of the third episode um, just because it featured my favorite guy, the treasure hunter. He's, he reminded me of like an old Billy. Just somebody, there's, there's this dude that just travels around the world trying to solve mysteries. And that's kind of his job. I don't know where he got his money from. But he's just like an adventurer, and that's what he does. And so he's kind of deputized himself as being in charge of uh, of trying to find this plane. But it's a uh, it's a crazy story, and the fact that we still don't really know what happened mm-hmm. to this plane. Where you know you like to think that when you step on an airplane, you're being monitored by all sorts of different radar sites, yeah. air traffic control. They've got uh, transponders on the plane. They've got all sorts of stuff that should let everybody know at any given time where this plane is. But somehow we lost an entire, um, it, it, the plane was a 777, I believe. Uh, but it was, it was completely, yeah. Boeing 77, 777. Which is a big ass plane. Big ass plane with hundreds of people on board. 230 something. Yeah. And, and we still don't know exactly what happened to it. It's kind of crazy in this day and age. 127. And there's all sorts of different different theories about what actually happened. We can we can start with just talking about the uh, the basic background of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was uh, it was flown by First Officer Farik Hamid. He's 27 years old. He was still kind of in training. The pilot in command was Zahari Shah. He was 53, and he was one of the most senior pilots for Malaysia Airlines. There were 227 people on board. From China, Malaysia, Indonesia, Australia, India, France, U.S., Iran, Ukraine, Canada, New Zealand, the Netherlands, Russia, and Taiwan. We do recognize uh, Taiwan as a nation on this Hell podcast, yeah. right? In addition to Tibet, I think we're we're uh, Tibetan freedom people too. So it uh, it took off and it was traveling to China. So it was on its way to Beijing. It took off from Kuala Lumpur. And it took off at 1241 
got up to its cruising altitude, 35,000 feet at 1.01 a.m. And then as the plane was entering Vietnamese airspace, when it was being passed off to, I believe, Ho Chi Minh City air traffic control, because it's flying. If you look at the map and the direction that it took off, it goes northeast over Malaysia. And then it starts to cross the South China Sea or the Gulf of Thailand. I don't know at that point. It's one of those two bodies of water. They kind of merge in the middle right there. So it's on its way. It's going to fly over Vietnam. And uh, as it gets passed off and they say, good night, Malaysia Air. Uh, the is that, that, that struck me. Is that is that common practice to yeah. say good night? It, it's probably not like the most frequently used thing, but I think it's relatively common. I don't okay. think that there's... There's like Merry Christmas on air. Air ca- traffic control gets a little like relax, loose. Relax. Like not her. that loose, but like when... It's a good... I, I, I mean, maybe it's just the levity of the situation. Good night just sounded really eerie. Yeah. I think it's because they were transitioning from the Malaysian air traffic control to, to the Vietnamese. Vietnamese. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly right. So uh, the, the pilot that was in charge, uh, Zahari... He said, as he was being passed off, so Malaysian Air Traffic Control radioed him and said, okay, we're passing you off to Ho Chi Minh right now. Yep. And then he answered, good night, Malaysian Air 370. Which is still eerie. It's eerie, it's definitely eerie in retrospect. I don't know if at the time it's like that uncommon. Yeah, yeah I don't know enough about. So, so then right after it crossed into the Vietnamese airspace, it disappeared entirely from radar. And nobody could reach out to it. Nobody could make contact with it after that point. Um, but there's other ways that, that we have to track it. So there was a um, a military radar installation that was on the west coast of, uh, of Malaysia that was able to track it. Um, and it pinged as it was crossing over Malaysia into the Strait of Malacca. So you can think it starts going off northeast right when it says goodnight. It pulls, I'm going to estimate like a 230, 250 degree turn, and it starts heading back southwest. Um, and then it's off civilian radar, but they do have a military installation um, that the Malaysian government initially didn't even discuss. Because I guess if you're Malaysia, you don't want, you know, it's a multinational investigation at this point. You don't want all these different countries to know all the details about where your radars are and Mm -hmm. what they can pick up. That might be the explanation that Malaysia gives for why they were not forthcoming. But um, they did confirm eventually that their military radar tracked it after it crossed over Malaysia and entered the Strait of Malacca, which is in between Malaysia and Indonesia at that point. And that was the last time it was found on radar. And then after that, and that was off course, correct? It was way off course. So yeah, why so wouldn't it just they? Turn, it turned around at that point. Why, why wouldn't they attempt to intervene? Is is my initial question. They probably didn't know the flight. Yeah, it was. It was probably like the, yeah. yeah. The the military radar probably did not know what they were supposed to do. So air traffic control lost radar. So there was no way to for them to confirm if that plane was supposed to be on that path anyway. Gotcha. Yep. So. Um, all commercial aircrafts have to be reachable at all times. That's that's the rule. Uh, as a pilot, you never turn off your transponder or anything like there's no reason. There's no good reason to turn off your transponder. Uh, so then it, it doubles back and that 
after several hours, the plane is marked as lost. And then they have to tell people in Beijing, like, hey, we don't know where your family is. We don't right. know what's going on. And so then the search for trying to find this plane uh, started and it really hasn't stopped uh, ever since. But there's other things that can be used to track where this plane went. So uh, on board the plane is I want to I want to try to get this right. It's a it's a transponder that was switched off. But there's a, a company it's called Imserat. Help me out here with that. Uh, Billy's good what, at uh, pronouncing things. He is. And I have no idea what you're talking about. Now, before we get into the MH370 flight disappearance, let me talk to you about game time. Game Time is beloved by all Barstool Sports employees and fans alike. Created by fans for fans, Game Time is a new ticketing app that makes it easier than ever to score last-minute deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. And they guarantee the lowest price. They crack the code on how to score deals on last-minute tickets. It's possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. I love Game Time. I've used Game Time several times. I've gone to the Belmont Stakes using Game Time. I've gone to Vikings games using Game Time. I've gone to Jets games using Game Time. I've gone to so many games using Game Time. It's honestly the easiest way to buy tickets. Easily. Sometimes I go to Yankee Stadium, wait for the first inning to go by, and then I buy a ticket on Game Time because then I can get in for way cheaper. It's the best. The purchase process takes just two taps and 10 seconds, and once you buy your tickets, they're delivered directly to your phone, no printer needed. The app also lets you easily share tickets with friends via text so you can get into the game seamlessly. Skip the hassle and enjoy the moment. Download the GameTime app or go to the website, enter your email, and redeem code MACRO. That's M-A-C-R-O for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. So after the pilot turned off the transponder, it was still connecting occasionally to to various satellites. So there's this one, there's a satellite system that they use. I looked up, it's called Inmarsat. Inmarsat. And it's a satellite that tracks planes, basically. It, it, it works with airline companies and it helps give locations. So it pings the plane like once every hour or so. So it's not like in constant communication right. or whatever, but there's a satellite that was still pinging the plane on occasion. Right. And they can go back and look at the data on that. And it pinged it, I want to say, six times. And it doesn't tell you exactly where the plane is. But what it does tell you using geolocation is it gives you the distance from the satellite. They, it pings off the plane, goes back to the satellite. The satellite can tell how far away. Triangulation. Triangulation, exactly. So it pinged several times uh, over the course of that night after it had gone off the map. And what it showed was it gives you like six different circles right. of where it could be on the planet based on how far it is from the satellite. Right. And so they, using those pings, you're able to track it down towards the southern part of the Indian Ocean, right. and then it stops pinging off the satellite. So at this point, it's way off course. At this point, it's way, way, way off course, and allegedly somewhere in like the middle of the Indian Ocean and using the Doppler effect, which is you can on these pings, it can not only tell uh, how far away it is from the satellite, but it can also tell if it's going away from it or coming back yep. um, based on these like, you know, uh, so my wave, new wave patterns, wave patterns. So like if you're it's really cool, actually. It's so like if you're 
if you're standing on a sidewalk and you and a car is blowing its horn, it has a different sound. Yeah, as it's coming to you, then it's going away from you. That's the Doppler effect, and that's how we that's how we measure uh, stars and and their distance from us as well. Okay, I didn't know that's that's how we measure the stars. Yeah, so, so if it's blue, I believe it's coming towards us. If it's red, it's going away. It could be flipped. It's been a while since I looked at it, but the color of the star, the brightness of the star, all of that stuff is is calculated into how far it is from us and how fast it's receding from us. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, Billy? I was just wondering if you reverse like the sound coming to us, does it sound like the sound going away from us? If you just flipped it. I don't know that. So I'm thinking like, is it individual data points? It might be. Because if it's individual data points that are just like in different iterations, if it stops at one point, do we really know what direction it's going? Yeah, yeah, because it's it's the... it's the frequency in which from my understanding i think it's the frequency in which the wave is coming at you right Hmm. so you can tell speed and you can tell direction as far as like coming to or going away so Hmm. that's from my understanding don't quote me on that so so with uh with the satellite that's using the doppler effect and it's also establishing how far away the aircraft is from the satellite they said that they tracked it it was traveling south at that point um after it uh, it turned back and circled back uh, on its way to Vietnam. It made like a 200, I want about like a 250 degree turn to circle back, start going Southwest. And then at some point it made a turn that was due South. And then eventually uh, it stopped pinging back. And that's when they say that they lost it. So um, according to the investigation, that's the data that they used to pinpoint where it was or the general location. I shouldn't say pinpoint because you can't, they, they don't pinpoint it. They're just saying it was traveling this direction. And then uh, based on the pinging from the very last uh, signal that the satellite sent out, they can then extrapolate how much fuel the plane would have had left. And yeah. then here's a big circle around that last ping of everywhere that it could have ended up. And that's all in the Southern Indian Ocean like 1,500 miles off the coast of Perth, Australia. Yeah, they were saying it, it would have run out of gas before it could have landed reached, anywhere. So. Yeah, reached land. That it, it was it went to maybe the most <sighs> remote remote location on Earth in terms of like Whoa. how far away from from various places you can right. get. So that's that's the um, that's the working assumption that the investigation. That's the conclusion that they came to, but they still didn't find the plane. They still don't have anything conclusive about where the plane was, except there's this one person that was analyzing just radio broadcasts and transmissions across the world. And this guy claims that he can almost pinpoint exactly where it ended up because of just like amateur radio that was being sent across the world. You can see where the points of interference were. And there was only one plane that was in that area to begin with on that night because there's no flight paths that go over that part of the world. Mm-hmm. And this guy says using amateur radio data, he can pinpoint exactly where the plane was and track it. There's a lot of people out there that think that that's bullshit, but this guy swears that it's true and he showed the data. Um, I don't think it's conclusive, mm-hmm. but he claims that they were searching in the area. When they did do the search for the plane, the initial search, which costs a shitload of money, by the way, yeah. to send- uh, It was like the most expensive aerial search ever. Yeah, it's huge aerial search. They actually, they asked the general public to just like go on satellite maps and to start looking in the ocean because it's such a big piece. It's an ocean. It's an ocean. (laughs) It's an ocean out there. So 
Mm-hmm. And then when they send out the recovery because they're trying to find the uh, the pings from the flight recorder, yeah. the black box, um, mm-hmm. they sent out submarines, they sent out ships, and they have not been able to find a single thing yeah. in this area that they've looked in. But granted, it's a big fucking ocean. It's pretty big ocean. And if you're off by 40 miles yeah. in this big fucking ocean, then you're not going to find anything. Yeah. Um, so then they uh, they actually found some debris that washed ashore in some islands that are off the coast of Africa. And there's various beaches there. They they mapped like the tidal patterns and there were some uh, uh, pieces of debris. I think a, um, what's what's the name of the piece that I'm thinking of? The Tailwing. It's, it's a flap. No, it's a, it's some sort of a flap. As an aviation guy, I'm disappointed. Flapperon, it was a flapperon. Uh, they found a flapperon that they claim was from MH370 that washed ashore on an island off the coast of Africa, which would match the tidal patterns. Um, but it was also found by that adventure guy who said uh-huh. like, and it was within like a, a day or two of him arriving there. And he's like, I did it. I did it again. Another mystery solved for the adventure guy. Uh, and then some people think that adventure guy has, tra- has ties to Russia, but um, that's, so what, I, what I've, what I've just laid out is like, that's the accepted, the most plausible narrative according to the investigations that that have been concluded. Now let's get into the deep and dirty. Now let's get in the. Why deep. did you use that voice? What the fuck was that? That's his deep and dirty voice. <laughs> this is like we're, we're going to the. No. <laughs> let's get into the. I was like, you don't understand the deep and dirty life. You're thinking you, shallow and you're, clean. You're, shallow just, and you're clean. just reading the police report. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're, you're P- I am. I, I'm putting yeah. out propaganda right now. Cthulhu from Big, from Big Malaysia. Propaganda. Cthulhu. Yeah. So uh, the the most commonly accepted narrative right now is that the pilot intentionally crashed the plane uh and then along with that murdered 220 whatever people that were on on board that plane uh an act of murder suicide so there's the evidence behind that is mostly no other good explanations exist combined with one data point uh or one uh piece of evidence from the investigation that they found because it would make sense in theory they're saying that the pilot depressurized the cabin as he turned around put him asleep and that put every he they're saying that he locked uh the co-pilot out of the out yeah, of the yeah i've seen this where did this come from like how, how could they possibly Th- there's a uh uh precedent there was like a german pilot that did this exact same thing okay. pilots actually have seriously strenuous mental uh evaluations this is something i didn't realize till investigating ufos a lot of the reasons why they don't want investigating to re- UFOs, mm-hmm. they didn't want to report seeing stuff in the sky is that they didn't want to have their mental health put in question because they constantly make sure that these guys aren't trying to kill themselves because they might end up killing 200 people. on a Pilot plane. should be absolutely they some of the highest paid people in the world. Yeah. Like yeah. without a doubt. It's a, it's sweet it's a fucking crime. A lot of them are broke, bro. No, I was talking to some fighter pilots, my fighter pilot buddies. When they're retiring out of the military, they're all becoming airline pilots. And like that's what the, a lot of their fathers did because you get a sweet deal. You fly a lot. You get to travel the world. You like They don't get paid enough. I, I, I think Arian is actually right on this. There's a lot of cost cutting that's been going on. So it's not nearly as lucrative as it used to be to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. I think you've got to do it for a long time. I think yeah, you have, to, you, you have to be very, very firmly established. And even those guys, I think they're not getting paid as much money as they used to. Yeah. It's not, it's not nearly to the extent that it used to be. Being a pilot is not there. And if, if you're trying to work your way up and you're starting at uh, local commuter airlines, 
that are flying you, I don't know, from like here to yeah. the Poconos or, or Buffalo or whatever, uh, there are, you're not getting paid shit. Like there's a lot of people that are almost entry level pilots that are making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year yeah. right at the start of their career. The a way- median of uh, one thirty five. That's pretty good. That's yeah. If, is that for like a major? A this major this just says po- that that's the median for pilots on uh, U.S. News. They said that was on top of their like flying on top of their pension from being like F eighteen pilots. Yeah. It was like a sweet gig. Yeah, it must be easy. And they're and they're like dads are also like Delta pilots. And they're like getting like getting a job at Delta is like the big like. The big firm that yeah. pays well. Yeah, exactly. So when yeah. you start out, you might not be making that much money, yeah. but once flying you, spirit. Yeah. So it's uh, it, the the theory is that the pilot locked his co-pilot out of the cockpit and depressurized the cabin, which would knock everybody out. What you'd experience in the cabin would be the uh, the masks would come down. You know, the oxygen masks that they tell you put yours on before you put your neighbors on. Those would come down, and the oxygen would run out. And everybody would fall asleep and die. That's what would happen. And meanwhile, inside the cockpit, the cockpit would not be depressurized. And maybe somebody out there can tell me why there's a uh, the ability for a pilot to do that to the plane. Uh, Just put everybody to sleep. Yeah. Sneaky. What? Sneaky. If there's a terrorist attack on the plane, might have been a good move. Actually, no. They'd had too much time with the oxygen masks. Yeah. But but the the theory is that this guy at at that point turned back. They were saying he was going through uh, tough times in his relationship. Um, that he might have had some a couple financial issues he needed to take care of. But it's not like this guy had ever exhibited any signs of right. distress or anything like that. Uh, and then he he doubles back and he continues to fly the plane until he runs out of gas and it's ditched in the Indian Ocean. Now. That's a theory that they put together based on the fact that they have no other theory yeah. that th- that could possibly explain. Because it was definitely off course. Like. Yeah. And and what could happen would be like if if the plane went off course, somebody would eventually know. The co-pilot would. Somebody, The co-pilot yeah. would definitely know yeah. that something was messed up. The rest of the uh, flight crew. I think they would too. They would they Especially because the route. The route was a pretty straight line from Malaysia to Beijing. Uh, was it Malaysia? Yeah. yeah, to yeah. Beijing. It's, it's it's a pretty straight line. That turn that they had to make is a pretty serious turn. So at some point, the the stewardess would be like, because like, I remember uh, listening to one of the stewardesses, or one of the steward's wife, who is also a stewardess, mm-hmm. and um, she was explaining that he does that route all the time. So if he knows the route, then I, he knows there's no hard left. You know what I mean? And you'd, have, you'd be flying over over land yeah, too yeah. as opposed to water. water so people would definitely know because the plane should have landed in beijing yeah and uh so there's people on that plane would have known uh, something if something was going on uh it, i don't know if it had wi-fi on the plane or not but nobody tried to contact anybody from uh any of the like the the flight attendants didn't try to use their phones or their communication devices right to be able to reach out to the company or to anybody else so the theory is that everybody on that plane was incapacitated to a certain extent and that the person that was flying the plane was the pilot. And besides just the fact that this is the only theory that they can put together that could make sense, the only real clue that they have to pointing at the pilot was the pilot had a flight simulator yeah. that was set up at his house and he would use it to like practice routes that he was going on. You know, these you're, 
you're about that life if you're a pilot. <laughs> I guess like you go home, you grind. You go, you, it's like that, a basketball. That is court. wild. Actually, I'm thinking about it. You have a flight simulator and you're a pilot. Yeah, you, it's kind of weird. It's working. It's like if you're an NBA player, you still go to the gym and get shots up, right? I don't know if that's the same. Man. Oh, it is. Like the flight simulators <laughs> these days are basically like flying a plane, Arian. Like, no, I'm, I, I'm saying, I'm saying, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think the majority of people like when they leave work, they want to go away from work. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like if you know how to fly, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know much about flying planes, but if you fly, if you know how to fly a plane, you know how to fly a plane. You don't need much practice to fly a plane. Like, it's not like free throws where I can get better at this constantly. But, I don't know enough about- Yeah, I feel like the standard for being good at flying a plane is not crashing. So yeah, once yeah. you've reached that standard, <laughs> there's not much better you can do. You got to maintain- Well, let me ask you this, Aaron. Would you rather be on a plane with a pilot that just clocks in, clocks out, or would you rather have like- the the Kobe of airline pilots that's like putting in that grind when they get home. I mean, I don't know. This nigga about. was Kobe, I guess. I, oh, that's a horrible comparison. Now, oh, 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 you know that's no. not. You know that's not what I meant. No, say do psych. not fucking clip that. Say Look psych. at me, no. bro. Do not fucking clip that. Is horrible. Do not. Uh, that is. Well, you the one that said Kobe, bro. Kobe, you know what said Kobe. No, no, no. Kobe, Kobe was the one that would always be in the gym. That's the best. Actually, that's the best way to commemorate Kobe because that was his legacy: grinding hard like Kobe. So, yeah. This pilot, Are you not getting the fucking? Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, <laughs> but like, that's what we meant. Nah, read the room, fam. No, fuck yeah. that. No. So anyway, right, for, who was the first, who was first and last out on the on the Texans? JJ JJ Watt. Watt. Yeah, this is a JJ Watt of pilots. <laughs> JJ Water Pilots going home, get rise and grind, 2 30 a.m. I'm uh -huh. getting reps in the flight simulator. So do you want the JJ Water Pilots or do you choose not JJ Watt? That's hilarious. Um, if this nigga has a route that's similar to the route that he took and he's out here practicing to kill, nah, fuck, fuck that. Give me the dude, give me, give me the me of the Texans who <laughs> who who works his ass off, will always show up in big time moments. But you don't hear from him. It's balanced. Balanced. So like likes to party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, give me a regular human. So so, I should say that the the thing with the flight simulator that was, was so bad. That Kobe yeah, so it was. It really was. Dog. You know what? You know what's fucked up is like after I started to say it, I realized that I shouldn't be using Kobe as the <laughs> as the example. <laughs> so and then you kept saying Kobe, and I was like, Is he going to put it together? It, I shouldn't have gone down that road. <laughs> sure enough, and I, I think it's just one of the. I don't know. I think maybe talking about it is making it worse. Yeah. Okay. This guy was the Buddy Holly of pilots. <laughs> Sorry, that's a bad one too. Uh, this guy was, was the, the big bopper Houdini. Was the, <laughs> the Aaliyah. No, Houdini's horrible. Because <laughs> he's a magician who made it disappear. Oh, All right. Explain the joke, Billy. It makes it worse. We got it, dog. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. promise we got it. So, all right. So the the problem with this guy's flight simulator, it's not that he had a flight simulator. A lot of pilots do. Apparently, it's a normal thing. I would like a fact check on that. I I guarantee you a lot of. I'm a I'm, not, I'm a pilot and I, I have a flight simulator. I'm not saying that it's not true. I would like to know the if you're a pilot, please let me know like the percentage of your colleagues that you believe also have a flight simulator and put in work. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'd be interested in knowing that. Like John Stockton, <laughs> yeah. who's still here. So this guy, um, in addition to some of the other routes that he practiced, there was one route that he had flown. Yeah. That six weeks earlier. That put him into that location yeah. in the Indian Ocean with the plane running out of fuel. 
that's flimsy at best, though, to say that that's the smoking gun, right? Because, wait, wait. listen, I, I fly in flight simulators all the time. The amount of places I've crashed into in those things, I, I crashed into Las Vegas last night. <laughs> I did, I was in, I hopped in an F 15 and I did the tour of Las Vegas. You fly down the strip, you go check out the Hoover Dam. You fly down the strip. Yeah, yeah, you actually, there's one part of it that puts you down the strip and you, I was going probably like, 600 miles an hour breaking the sound barrier um i crashed in the stratosphere last <laughs> oh, night did, but that did, yeah it was pretty awesome does that does that make me does that mean that i'm planning a, a murder of 227 never people? will i hop in a plane with you that's for sure what's your loss dude imagine if the patriot act like is looking at everywhere people crash in flight simulators they're like you on the you want to <laughs> you, you got a you list got, you got an fbi it's profile a, now it's, it's a possibility <laughs> i bet you i have an fbi profile i probably do too yeah. i know my sister does for sure we know that that's wild. So then, yeah. wait, you definitely do. Mm-hmm. Whoa. She's an activist, so she constantly critiques the government. Billy, you probably have one. No. You've done some shady shit. No, I haven't. Your IPA address is absolutely flagged. Yeah, you, but it's mostly because of this history. show. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it is. It's good, it's good cover. I was looking at adrenochrome strictly for research purposes, officer. I wanted to see if it gave you gains. <laughs> So, th- so this dude had one path on his flight simulator that they're looking at that and they're saying, okay, this is the reason why we're pointing at the pilot as being the cause of this. So it's, I guess it's a, it's as good an explanation as any that we have right now, but it's far from being conclusive about what happened. So, um, and also the, the, the part in the Indian ocean, that being where the debris field would, the tides would carry it to these specific shores you can put together a lot of circumstantial evidence and say this is the the best explanation that we have right now that doesn't mean that it's you know dead to rights the actual series of events that happened so there's some other conspiracies out there about it um one being that there was a hijacking and that the plane was diverted some people say up towards russia yeah right Actually, there, surprisingly, there's a ton of anti-Semitic conspiracy theories around this. That's surprisingly, no, no. I didn't. I, I was just thinking like China, Malaysia. Like, Look at this shit. where does it factor in? Like, but turn, but I forgot. You know, that part of the world is actually very Muslim. Yeah, like that, Malaysia, my mom, by the way. Malaysia, Indonesia, largest Muslim country, and uh, they think that Israel was trying to like do a false flag attack, uh, and frame Iran or like other. Muslim states. Okay, so it was the conspiracy theory is that Israel hijacked it to frame, frame Iran. They did a pretty <laughs> shitty job of framing Iran if yeah. the conclusion is that it's in the middle of the Indian Ocean yeah. because of the pilot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a, a theory that it was hijacked. And um, one of the theories that I read was actually, I think it was Russians, Russian yeah, hijackers, Russians, yeah. where uh, it was a, because there were three russian individuals that they flagged uh, as being on this plane they could have had ties to some sort of russian government mm-hmm. now that could be as simple as like working for like a finance ministry or something like that or it could be that they were agents of the russian government and that two of them caused a distraction on board while the third went down underneath the passenger cabin and there's a way that you can actually disable the transponder underneath the passenger cabin so really? it's not just the pilot that can do it it's 
you if you get down there and you know what you're doing, you can see that's type manually shit disable need it. not be public information. Yeah, yeah like yeah. I'm okay. Like we was talking about the other day, I'm okay with you withholding that part of the information from the public. We don't need to know that shit. No, but that's like a mechanical thing. Like you can kind of disable like the lights in a house from the fuse box in so the basement. Then, yeah. We don't need to know. I don't need to know that shit. You well, if you own a 747, you might. It's true. It's yeah. a good point. Yeah. There's broke, a, bunch of, a bunch of us walking around. Broke boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk to me when you got a plan. And, and I, I'm going to say this. Hijackings to me are a wild concept. I don't 100% buy them all the time. And this could be very little evidence involved. But I just find it hard because nobody has any real weapons up there. So it's 200 people versus two or three. And I just find it like there's nothing else to fight for at this point. So I, I've, I've thought about this. Okay. And I think I, you're right. In theory, it's like there's 220 people you should be able to overpower, right? The way that an airplane is laid out where everybody's in their rows and you're all looking forward, mm-hmm. it's very easy for somebody to get up from a seat and run up the aisle without anybody knowing that this person's coming until mm-hmm. after they're already past you. Right. And then they could, in theory, get into the cockpit and you have a lock in the cockpit door that nobody can break through. Well, then how can you get in the cockpit if it's locked? Well, if, if you time it so that when uh, a co-pilot uh, is, is like walking out to take their break, you use a restroom. If I can disable a transponder and lights under the plane, there's got to be some fail safe to get into the cockpit. There's got to be. For this exact reason. There, there might be. There might be like an override that, that you can use or like some thing that we don't know about yet. We but, don't need to know, actually. Yeah, we don't need to know. That. My, <laughs> my solution would be on airplanes, it should be like on certain trains where you're not all facing forward. Some people are facing, facing backward. Yeah. And that way you can, you've got eyes. Right. The people have eyes. The people have eyes. On, <laughs> on every, all the activity that's going on, on that plane. Did you see the guy who tried to hijack a plane recently? It was literally like yesterday. Yeah, I did mm-hmm. see that. That was fucking wild. No, what happened? Like mentally disturbed guy definitely like was saying he was the son of Satan. Like tried to say, tried to hijack the plane with a, a shank that he had made. And he ended up stabbing a flight attendant who I think survived. Damn. Uh, but he literally exact same thing. Once he started yelling, like all these dudes just were like, "That's what Mark I Wahlberg time and like jumped him." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I just, I don't know, man. If and I, I think everybody has retroactive superhero syndrome, or like if I was in that position for sure. But I'm just, it, I, I, it's man, we up in the air. I'm already, my, I'm, I'm, it's in heightened. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I've seen enough movies. I have believed the propaganda. Niggas is trying to take planes over, and so. If any cause of ruckus, I'm like, hey, you need to sit like, you need to sit down. Yeah, but you're up in you're up in first class, fully reclined. You wouldn't yeah, even hear him. Sleep. That's yeah. true. He, the moment you knock over my red wine, <laughs> we got issues, dog. I think he tried to. If if somebody was just screaming, I don't, you know, what are you gonna do? But I think he tried to open the emergency exit door. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If someone started to do that, I think it's time to go jump. Well, up. no, you, you know what? No, no. If he were to open that. He would have just gotten sucked out, and everyone hopefully would have had their seatbelts on. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been that. I'm big. not trusting an airline seatbelt against a plane going 600 miles an hour with the door open. Um, well, Big T, you should maybe start because uh, there have been instances, numerous instances, of like a small, uh, an explosive depressurization where a window gets blown out, or there's one 
you know, uh, latch that's not riveted together correctly, where there's a small hole that gets open in the plane. I hate this. I'm flying. Soon. And when that has happened, <laughs> there have been individuals that have been sucked out of that hole and people right next to them wearing their seatbelts have not because they had their seatbelt on. Yeah, it just seems like a very flimsy seatbelt. It, it no, is. It's, a, it's, it's not. It's not. I, I, it's, that's like it's yeah. a small. It's a small seatbelt, and in the instance of a crash, you're dead. But in the instance of a hole opening up in the airplane and people getting sucked out, you're safe. I hope so. So if <laughs> those seatbelts are built to something different, they are. You know, it's like they're thick. Seatbelt diff. Yeah. yeah, just one little thing across your lap, though. I'm telling you, this guy's save you. you go I hope so. No, you go I go ahead and you fly on strap. I wear them. I didn't say I don't wear I them. Wore, I said. I think I said this before. I think the reason why I started wearing seat because I used to be like, the fuck if we if we crash, we're gonna die. I wore seatbelt because one time we hit like major turbulence and the plane like dropped. And you know how everybody kind of yeah. rises up. My head hit the ceiling and I was like, son, never again. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm strapped up every time so, now. Someone just died from that. Really? Like three days ago, four days God, ago. This is the most on, depressing on a part of the podcast I've ever heard. On a private jet, it was a uh, government official I was reading about her yesterday, and the plane hit turbulence, and she hit her head. That same thing. Jesus. So Jesus. buckle up. Buckle up on an airplane. Yeah, Buckle no, up I, in a car, too. Absolutely. I used to be one of them cats, too. Would you too, make fun of people? Cool. Like, oh, why, that was why you fucking, on. fucking dweeb. Oh, that to was live? you nerd. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but I don't know. You just grow up, I guess. And nothing even happened. I just, after a while, I was like, it's, I have no reason to not wear my seatbelt. I got roasted for wearing a seatbelt in a picture I took in an Uber. I was like in the back seat and I, I had like a, a shirt on. I, I wanted to get better at that. Though. And I had a seatbelt on and I posted and people were like, you fucking nerd wearing your seatbelt <laughs> in an Uber. It's like, what's the difference between. <laughs> no, because it's New York City traffic. What does people that have still to do die with in New York City. Never mind. What? No, I, 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 I need to get better at that. I am not good at wearing a seatbelt in an Uber. If you're going, if you're going forty miles an hour, because taxis don't even have seatbelts, right? Some of them do. Some of them do. A lot of them do. But if you're going forty miles an hour in New York, which is not unheard of, I go forty miles an hour down Seventh Avenue all the time, down Eighth, Ninth, West Side Highway. It's pretty common to be going that fast, and you get into a car accident and you're not buckled up, you can die very easily. Yeah. So yeah, I wear a seatbelt. So come at me, nerds. <laughs> No, Shane Gillis had a hilarious bit about that. How people used to not wear seatbelts and call each other soft for not wearing seatbelts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exa- those, exactly. Like, it turns out, like apparently in the '90s, like you'd be like, like it was a thing. That was my that was my bag. Yeah, it was use a fucking dork if you wore a seatbelt. That was something that I never grew up with. It was always wear your seatbelt. Yeah, I, I yeah. one time I put on a seatbelt. My friend's dad was like, "Why are you wearing your seatbelt?" <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, excuse me, responsible yeah. old dad. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buckle, buckle you up. You drive guys. sober? Yeah, buckle <laughs> up. Fucking idiot. Oh man, I remember the first time I got in a car with somebody who was drinking. It was the scariest shit. But I was I was like really young and still susceptible. I was like in middle school. The High Noon El Prez Pack is here, featuring my top four High Noon Vodka Celta flavors. These flavors include passion fruit, pineapple, pear, an all new flavor, tangerine, all made with real vodka, real juice. This 12-pack is only here for a limited time, so get it while you can. Just look for the pack with my face on it. You can even scan the QR code in the pack and have me virtually join your party. Visit HighNoonSpirits.com to find the El Prez pack nearest you. And some dude was drinking, was partying with some... Now I'm thinking about a fucking loser. But uh, he was driving, and he was he had a beer, and I was just, like, super scared. Yeah. Yeah. One beer? Yeah. I told him to pull over. One beer? Yeah, I said, let me out. I was, I was, uh, I was Trey. 
used to used to be able to drink a beer and drive Boy, boys in the hood uh, oh that we need to play that video oh yeah oh my god that's such a funny video it's, it's a good video what, when, when what's tr- next communism <laughs> yeah yeah i mean oh, i've seen it where did i see it before for, from a logical point of view what's what would be the harm in having one beer while you drive if you're under the legal limit what's the difference between having one beer at your house getting into a car and driving which is totally fine you're allowed to do that versus getting into a car drinking a beer while you're driving i don't think there's a harm in it i think that there would be no way to know what beer you're on if you're outside of your car that's true then they then they breathalyze you actually be only before i bought a breathalyzer it's smart yeah i would just i would Use it for all the wrong purposes. Yeah, yeah. It was it was literally just a party trick. Who's like, drunker? Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you it? No, in yeah. high school, in high school, one of the cool parents wouldn't let us leave till we blew a certain. Wouldn't let us like leave a party until we blew a certain amount. Like not that high we, or low. Low. <laughs> oh, I was, I was like, how like, cool is this? Parent? Actually, it was we can't like, leave. Do you take two more shots? No, it was like a sleepover. <laughs> it was a sleepover, and the parent like then the next morning, the parent was like, "You, I just got to make sure you're all blowing zeros because." Like God forbid, that makes sense. Still drunk. <clears throat> All right, so so back to uh, Malaysian Airlines. So there's the the hijacking theory that the plane was hijacked and um, and taken, landed in Russia is one of the ideas, or Billy's anti-Semitic idea as well. Uh, and then there's <laughs> not my idea, not your idea. Not then, then there's the third explanation is that it was shot down. I don't hate this explanation. Really? I don't hate it. Uh, the, the parts of the airline that we found, um, there's one part that washed ashore that they say could only be found in this certain condition if the landing gear had been deployed. Uh, and that to me, it doesn't really make sense because it's a small piece of wreckage that had traveled 2,000, 3,000 miles in a tumultuous ocean after it had slammed into the ocean at hundreds and hundreds of miles per hour. So the fact that you can determine whether or not the landing gear was down or up based on the location of a switch on one piece of the plane doesn't, you can't say that definitively. Now, quick question. Who would want to shoot them down and why? Us. Good question, Billy. It could, it could be any number of things. The U S has shot down a civilian airliner by mistake before. Look well, it up. Was in, Look uh, it up. Middle it, East, correct? Yeah, it was over the Persian Gulf. We shot down an Iranian airliner. Um, I forget the exact year, but it was it was leaving Iran and it was going over the Persian Gulf, and we had uh, ships that were on high alert in the Persian Gulf because there were conflicts going on at the time. It got misidentified as an inbound aerial strike from Iran or from, yeah, I believe it was from Iran. So it got misidentified. A ship targeted it, a United States military ship, and then shot it down. No, you know what? It Was it actually from Iraq? It might have been. Oh my God, I know the guy who shot it down. (laughs) He was a private contractor. Actually, I shouldn't say that. He was a private contractor on one of the jobs that I was working in high school. And the guy I was working with was like, you know that guy? He was working as a ship gunner on when he was in the navy and they told him they ordered him to shoot down that commercial liner and, and i was like what and you and verified this and yeah he had all the navy tattoos he like you <laughs> could, checks out like he had the tattoos of the boat Good enough he was like 
I would get that one removed. I would. Yeah. <laughs> right? What? No, but they ordered him to shoot it down. He just pulled Are you the supposed right. to be saying this on well, a podcast? I don't think anybody's going to know. But yeah. He, he is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> but no. You uh, cut that. Cut that. No, I, uh, I it's know. too late. Yeah, you, you didn't identify the guy. But he swears that Saddam was putting dead body. He Like his stories, it was like fucking Saddam. They definitely, he loaded, Saddam loaded up with dead bodies. It, I didn't kill those people. Well, that doesn't really make sense because it was from Iran. It was from, from Iran? Yeah, it was Iran Air Flight 655. There was something about a commercial liner I would in probably the Persian come, Gulf, I would, in the Gulf War. I would probably come up with that same explanation in my own head to justify that or like some other lie if I was yeah. that guy too. Well, um, let me see. No, it was 1988. So it was before the <laughs> Gulf War. It was before Iraq invaded Kuwait. So um, yeah, it got shot down. Uh, because they identified the airliner as an attacking F-14 Tomcat. So this is actually interesting. When you watch Top Gun, the new Top Gun, great mm-hmm. movie. I think it's the best movie that's came out in like Fan- 10 years. Fantastic film. Can we go see Cocaine Bear? Yes. Sweet. Now, also, I just found out that my plane doesn't leave until tomorrow morning. I, I, is I it at 5.30 a.m.? Yeah. P.m. a.m.? Yeah. Wait, yeah. wait Arian, I have a flight going out of LaGuardia at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah? Well, you can take me there. Okay. <laughs> we can go together. Because last time you had an early morning flight, you weren't on it. I was, <laughs> that was drinking heavily then. That's true. Um, that that was a wild night, but uh, so I'm not drinking. And that, that that's my fuck up. So. Wait, so do you have somewhere go. to stay tonight? I don't right now, but I can figure <laughs> it out. I I'm, stay, I'm, staying, I'm staying at Eric's house. You can stay at my apartment. I'm not going to be there. Where are you going? I'm going to Chicago. Oh. I'm going to go buy a house, hopefully. Or look at you already houses. have it? No, I get, oh, I'm going to go look at, look at a shitload of houses and hopefully oh. put an offer down. Uh, but yeah, this- uh, Congrats, man. What the fuck? We'll see. I haven't bought it yet. I mean, the fact that you can look. I did get pre-approved, Big T. Sick. So there's that. Uh-huh. <laughs> fuck you, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> uh, it was So it was during the Iran-Iraq war, Billy. Oh, yeah. And so that's why that's why we had ships that were located over there, and we were providing probably intelligence, and we were putting together all our battle plans in case we had to really choose a side. But it was shot down by the USS Vincennes. How many people v- died? You know? uh, I can tell you in just a second, there were 270, 290 people died. Now. 274 passengers. Question, Big T. Is that terrorism? On our behalf? Yep. So they, they shot it down accidentally? Mm-hmm. They shot it down because, jumping back to, back to the Top Gun thing, you know how when they steal that plane, at the end they steal the Tomcat yeah. to fly out of there? Fire. Mm-hmm. F-14. Yeah, that's the, so the reason why a lot of people think it was supposed to be based in Iran mm-hmm. was because we sold the Iranian government a shitload of F-14s during this war because we're mm-hmm. back in their side. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they they had uh, F-14 Tomcats. That's the only other country that we've sold them to mm-hmm. that would fit that profile. And so Maverick knew how to drive that. He, he knew how to drive it, yeah. So this was an F-14 that – they thought it was an F-14. They thought a commercial flight was an F-14. They thought uh, an Airbus 300 was an F-14. I sound like Cap. And they thought it was equipped with uh, – anti-ship missiles or anti-ship guns or bombs now how you fuck that up uh it's tough because you have this thing on every airliner and every every military aircraft has what's called an iff indicator Mm -hmm. which means identify friend or foe so if you're in a plane and you're gonna shoot somebody down 
you can hit a, a little button that will ping that aircraft and it'll respond to you and tell you is you friend or foe yeah you are you with me or are you against me damn and so uh our own communications can they can get that signal back from our own planes and if it's not one that's responding the right code to you then you know it's not one of your people right. so they the aircraft on this had an IFF indicator that identified it as a commercial airliner but for whatever reason in Still in shot. the heat of the moment they they claimed that they thought it was an F14 they shot it down and they killed 290 oh, people that's now crazy. i remember what the story was they they were tr- tr- like they his theory was Saddam was sending a Iran, Iranian commercial airliner into the US boat to get the US to join the side of the Iraqis and he it was a like trying to draw the US into the war that was the explanation the guy was giving gotcha uh the United States government issued an apology <laughs> Uh, so what else do you want? Like Reagan said, sorry. Yeah. My bad, bro. But, but the official statement besides, so Reagan kind of went a little bit rogue because he wrote a letter to Iran after this being like, Hey, we deeply regret what we've done. But the, uh, the military continued to say that they were acting in self-defense afterwards. Yeah. Um, But we shot the, the fact of the matter is there were 290 people from mostly from Iran that got shot down in just a commercial airline that you get on. So, I've got to be top five worst ways to die. Pretty bad. So when you say terrorism, is it terrorism? It's not good. Um, I, I, I guess it all, on. I guess it all depends on if it really was accidental or not. I have a hard time believing the U S military would shoot down a civilian aircraft intentionally, but also I don't really see how it could have looked like an F 14. I th- well, they, so, they, they weren't looking at it visually. It was still miles away from the ship when they shot it. Okay. So it's not like it was right overhead and they shot it. But down. you said it had the thing that denoted it was a civilian. It did. Now, there there was also um, something that they did. I'm trying I'm trying to read up on it, but just I don't I don't see what I'm looking for. Off the top of my head, I think that during this time of war, the U.S. government had issued like a directive to commercial airliners that you need to have no fly zone. you need to have like a no it's like a certain frequency that might be updated um like just to make sure that nobody mistakes you for anybody and there's some there's some Im- ambiguousness mm-hmm. on whether or not the plane had like updated all their correct transponders to the wishes of the united states government mm-hmm. but then you can like ask okay well was the government the ones that like if you're an iranian uh airliner and you don't check on a daily basis from right. the, what does the u.s government want us to do yeah that's something that could fall between the cracks pretty easily right. in any country in the world right. so um it it feels like so the the, the bottom line is it, it has happened before we have shot down a civilian airliner and there there are other cases when i think it was i think china shot down a civilian airliner that was traveling from new york to japan Back in also about this time period, 80s or 90s, uh, it was I think it was a Korean air flight. Uh, and another Malaysian air flight, MH17, which was also part of another conspiracy theory, was shot down by Russian forces going from uh, the Netherlands to Malaysia. So there's a theory that suggests that the plane that crashed in the field in Ukraine was the lost MH17. 370 flight and not flight MH17, which was scheduled to depart from Amsterdam and arrive in Kuala 
Lumpur, Malaysia. Mm-hmm. And it had crashed after like coming through a time warp and it like traveled through time. Manifest. Yeah. Yeah. Good show for two seasons. Yeah, then a bad agreed. show. Yeah. Then it gets weird as shit, right? I, d- I didn't even it's watch so the most bad. recent season of I it. I didn't either. Yeah. It got the, bad. I think the premise of it is so really fun. good. What a great yeah. premise to a the show. The first bro. season is yeah. amazing I and then it, it really falls it's just off. It's like a bad bag. Too. Well, it's like Lost, right? Like I've never like, seen Lost. Yeah. The thing about Lost and like they're good in the beginning when you don't know. But in they build up all these lies and mysteries. Then you get to the end and you're like thinking there's going to be this big revelation. Like we got to find out how the plane time travel. We got to pl- find out this. But like there's no good way to wrap up all the intensity. Yeah. Well, there's a way. They they dropped the ball. Pun was- intended. Manifest had no idea how to land the plane. Yeah. That show. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to say about the the U.S. theory that what I read was that this if the the theory goes for the flight 370 that we shot it down intentionally that they were carrying a bunch of unscanned electronic stuff to mm-hmm. china that we didn't want china to have yeah and we had radar jamming planes in the vicinity of where that plane was so that that part's true and so so we knocked them off of the radar said land didn't shot it down yeah so that part is true there were i think two U.S. AWACS planes that were in the vicinity, and I forget what is an AWACS plane. Good question, Aaron. Thank you. Uh, I forget what AWACS stands for exactly. Airborne Warning and Control System. There we go. So if you ever see a movie where there's the the giant plane that's in the sky with the big rotating dish on top of yep, it, yep. that's an AWACS. Okay. And so that's an extremely powerful radar mm-hmm. that uh, pilots use and uh, ground forces use because it can see hundreds and hundreds of miles in every direction and its radar can spot small things like very very even some of our like best uh stealth jets like the f-22 f-35 that we have right now like the next generation they're kind of stealthy and it's tough for another fighter pilot to pick you up at certain distances you might as well be invisible it's got like the cross section of a bird Mm -hmm. on radar but if you have an AWACS plane with that big ass radar on it then it can spot you where other planes might not be. So it's a like okay. very, very powerful like surveillance tool. Yeah. And it probably has all sorts of crazy shit on board that could disable things like a transponder or all your electronics. So that that's it's a possibility. And I'm not saying that But then to make it I, I think to combat that from what we know of the flight pattern, it wasn't going towards China. It was going to the it was going west wasn't it it's it it turned around and went west according to so if our incentive was not to have it going to china for whatever was on it like it wasn't headed to china yeah that could have been an action taken once it became clear that we were after the plane so it's it's in it's it's in it's in mid dog fight with the u.s well if (laughs) well no if you get you know uh, a u.s plane saying you need to land and you're like no and then it becomes pretty apparent that they're after you. Maybe you turn around. I don't and so know. why wouldn't they land if that's the case? I don't know. Maybe the, the it, I guess the theory would be. Like, I got to get to Beijing doesn't sound like a good enough. I guess the theory would be if all that stuff that was actually like if China, there really was stuff on that plane that China wanted. Mm-hmm. The pilots, I guess, would have had to be in on be that. In on it. Okay. So maybe they had had a deal with the Chinese or something. Oh, there know. was somebody on board the plane that they made the calculation. This guy needs to be taken out. 
I don't know. I'm, and I'm not necessarily saying that the United States did it. Right. There's a bunch of other countries in that area right. that could have shot down. And it might not have even been intentional. It might have been like the uh, the Iran air flight or it was Korean Airlines flight 007 in 1983. So I was mistaken. It wasn't New York. It was Anchorage. It was from the United States. Anchorage to Seoul. Um, and it was shot down by the Soviets. So I really blew all the details yeah. of that one. I did know that it was a Korean air flight, uh, but it was it was shot down because the crew made a navigational mistake. And so it drifted and it was flying through Soviet airspace at the same time as a U.S. Uh, spy plane was going through there. Come on. So they, they, they mistook it for a U.S. spy plane and they shot it down. I'd be nervous traveling abroad for shit like that, man. Y'all, y'all got all these beefs I don't know about. I'm just trying to go <laughs> taste some different food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's it, there's a possibility that it was shot down by mistake. Right. And with the way that the investigation was carried out, it could have been Malaysian forces that shot it down because the, the investigation has been... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Lack of transparency. Yeah. They haven't been transparent yeah. with, with a lot of stuff. And they've been forced to admit things after other people have discovered them. And it's just never... I've never seen it go well. Just not telling the truth about shit. Yeah. Like, it's just... just If you're a government, like, that just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And so it, the wreckage that they found, they haven't found any evidence of, uh, of any sort of... Um, Question about like black explosive boxes. device. Okay, yeah. so there has no been. Okay, the, so the 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 flapperon and the other small small they emphasize very small pieces that they have found on these beaches. Right. Um, they haven't had any like uh, fragmentation in them right. from an explosion, but you wouldn't necessarily get that on every single part of the plane. Right. So, question about black boxes. Do we have? I don't know shit about planes, and you're the plane guy, much more than Billy. And so, it's <laughs> been established. So. Is the black box technology up to, I guess, date? Because I'm thinking if 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 black box is available, if a black box is available, why not put some kind of technology on it? If it goes a certain below a certain elevation, then it gives off some kind of pulsating radiate, you know, radiate some kind of sound sound wave, something to where it's like the last known location was this or whatever. Does it? It's a good question. So when it when it crashes. Uh, it does transmit frequencies. Okay. That's how they find them for the most part. If like a plane crashes into the ocean. Okay. They send surveillance boats, things like that, trying to figure out where the black box is. If it's really, really deep, like this is supposed to be like very deep in the ocean, right. then it can be very hard to find. And gotcha. you, ha- you have to be like right over it. Right. For it to work. So it maybe the technology exists to like upgrade them a little bit. Right. But, um, that's that's already in play, and they've been looking for those. So there's two things. When a plane crashes, a commercial airline, you've got the black box. That's the flight data recorder. Yeah. And that records every movement that the pilot puts in, all the inputs. Like if you put your stick to the left a small amount, it records that. Right. It records the altitude, airspeed, all that stuff. Uh, and then there's the the cockpit voice recorder, which is the other thing that is that in the black box. I think they're, they're adjoining. They might, I don't know if they're contained in the same box or if there's two boxes. I think they're probably in the same box, but the uh, voice recorder just records the audio of everything that's said and done. So what you can do, like they, the data recorder records everything about the plane. Mm -hmm. So if you recover it, you can actually put it into a computer model and it'll, 
you can get like a 3D model of the plane That's and and what it does and the small movements that the stick is doing, yeah. and so you can determine exactly what, was going what on. happened. Um, one of my, um, I guess, uh, like the the spookiest or like one of the saddest airline disasters was in Russia. There was uh, there were two pilots that were flying across Siberia, like a very long haul, the middle of the night. One of the pilots got their family up into the cockpit. It's like, hey, look at look at what your dad does for a living, mm-hmm. flying the plane. Isn't this cool? And the plane was put on autopilot, and they put the um, the daughter in first, and then they said, "Okay, turn the stick to the left, and we're gonna let you turn the plane a little bit." And the dad was like secretly put punching in the numbers that just told the plane what to do. So it wasn't her actually making the turn; it was him just like secretly being mm-hmm. like, "Okay, bank ten degrees to the that left." Sounds like a horrible idea. And then, the and then he put it back on course. Then he got his son into the seat said okay turn the plane to the left and he tried to do it but his son was pulling like real hard on the controls mm-hmm. and it overrode the shit that he was putting in oh my God. and his son put the plane into a massive spin oh my god and ended up killing everybody on board and they were like <laughs> trying to like pull his son out of the seat and like let the pilots t- it was fucked up oh so you're not that's shit. why you're not allowed to let anybody fly a plane besides a pilot anymore Oh my! Probably a rule they should have had. This should have been at the start. In effect, that's insane, though. Yeah. What a shitty. And then you kill your whole family. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. That is kind just... of kind of a talk about a, a big time screw up. Oh my god! I could not guy. imagine, dog. Oh. So, um, back to Malaysian Air. It's a possibility it was shot down, and we don't know who shot it down, why it was shot down. There is that theory that it was carrying a shitload of electronics and. Some of which might have been for nefarious use by the Chinese government, but there's again we we don't have any evidence to support that. Um, but we don't really have that much evidence to support. I was going to say there's no evidence of anything really. Yeah, and, and there there has been so the stuff that's washed ashore doesn't look like it was shot down by a missile or anything like that. Um, this I think is covered in the documentary on Netflix, but the Russian government in the past they have. Uh, spoofed uh, pings from like the black boxes before. I think this might have been during the Korea Air thing, actually. Mm-hmm. I think when they were looking for the uh, Korea Air flight from Anchorage to Seoul, I think that's when the Russian government put like fake black box pings in the ocean at, to hamper the search, <laughs> to throw them off the course because they didn't want to have the fingers point at them being like, mm. we shot it down. So it it could be a possibility that somebody put debris from a plane into the ocean and there's some dispute over whether or not the pieces that they found you can conclusively say they were from that one particular aircraft some people say that it's very conclusive uh but there's a handful of people that disagree with it so also billy you would love this the adventurer yeah uh in this i'm trying to look up the guy's name um actually billy can you look that up for me the guy who discovered most of the pieces on Reunion Island for MH370. Because this dude is just, I don't know where he gets his money from, but he just travels all over the world. I feel like he would actually be a great guest on this show. Can we, yeah. once we, once Billy figures out his name. Uh, this guy, Gibson, American adventurer, may have found Malaysia Airline flights. Blaine Gibson. Blaine Gibson. He has, he basically is what Billy wants to do with his life. Yeah, I'm actually I've actually been planning 
on doing that. That might be my next step. Just traveling the world, solving mysteries. Yep. Uh, he's a guy that he's been featured in a lot of documentaries about the plane and uh, some other adventures that he's been on. And they never know, you know how they put the guy's name on the screen and then his job occupation underneath him. Nobody knows what to call this guy. He's, <laughs> he's just like an adventurer, mystery solver. <laughs> he has He has zero actual qualifications. He's just very good at traveling. How does he get money? I don't know. He's definitely. If you were like a mil, like, you should go do that, Arian. No. Just go, go look for adventure. I do. See, so you're an adventurer. Sure. I, I look for it <laughs> on the golf course. In the media, he consciously styled himself after Indiana Jones <laughs> with a brown fedora and a brown leather jacket. He portrayed yeah. himself as an inveterate adventurer and world traveler who, before MH370, had pursued any number of. I don't know how to pronounce this word. Quixotic? It's from Don oh. Quixote. It's chaotic. I guess. Is it chaotic. pronounced chaotic? I don't know, but I'm I'm hypothesizing. That, that would make sense. Chaotic international quest, including an attempt to find the lost Ark of the Covenant and an expedition to the site of the Tunguska explosion in Siberia. That's that oh, hell yeah. giant meteor. He's a wonderful, appealing persona. This is from uh, JeffWise.net. Oh, we need this dude on this podcast. So he went to high school in Carmel, enrolled at University of Oregon. He made his first visit to the Soviet Union in 1976 at the age of 19, just to understand what it was like. After graduating, he earned a master's degree in international studies at Johns Hopkins. And then he worked briefly at a bank before spending three years on the staff of Washington State Senator Ray Moore. And then he took a job with the State Department. Ooh, watch out. Watch out for this guy. Uh, might be a spook. And then he lived, worked in Russia. He was the second American to go to the epicenter of the Tunguska meteorite. He speaks Russian fluently. He has access to Russian scientists drinking vodka with him. They tell me what they really think. Uh, oh, so, hell yeah. So this dude just travels all over the world trying to solve mysteries. And it's he, like a Scooby-Doo. He definitely believes in some crazy shit. So do you. Yeah, but like, like really out there. It has the evidence to back it up. Busy. But like, he's definitely like when I was at the Tunguski meteorite. That would be site. It would be dope to have on the show though. For sure. like, oh yeah. Does he have like a social and shit? I'm sure he does. This Blaine guy, Gibson. This guy definitely wants to know. Wants people to know who he is. So the interesting part, well, this entire thing is is interesting. Um, but. They don't really have any definitive conclusions as to why this happened. I mean, even the the suicide pilot thing, they're not really sold on. It's not like a conclusive thing, and they've there's no real evidence. And so, I think that's what keeps this mystery going, and why it's so intriguing is because like nobody actually knows what happened, which in today's day and age is very far fetched. Mm -hmm. But you know, like let's say you're his wife. Or his family, and you knew he was suicidal. Would you even tell anybody? Hell yeah, yeah I would. Probably. Would you even tell anybody? But then you're the wife of a, a murderer, yeah, as opposed who, to the mysterious. Would nah. you rather be known as the wife of the mysteriously disappeared pilot, or the wife of the guy who killed two hundred eighty people? I wouldn't him? care who how it was known. I would care about giving the family some kind of peace. Because imagine just putting your family on a flight and expecting nothing, and all of a sudden they're just gone, and there's no explanation as to why. I would want, if I had any kind of, like, 
information. I'm like, yo, if this could give any of them any kind of peace, I'm absolutely volunteering that information. Yeah. I don't care how you look at me. I don't have nothing to do with it. Right, like, but that's what the rational thing to do is. I, I think that in the immediate yeah. aftermath, you would probably say something to that extent. You wouldn't be thinking like you're thinking, Billy. You're actually... Selfish you're, you're, as fuck. No, Billy's, no Billy's being rational in that I like trying to protect the person that you love. No, he's trying to protect and, himself. And, that, and yeah, and all that. So I don't think that you'd be thinking about that after somebody that you knew just died, that you cared about deeply. I wouldn't if 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 somebody I knew was suicidal and they were suicidal and and insane enough to possibly kill and take other people with them. I would be so angry at them that protecting their name would be the last thing I would try to do. I would, I would absolutely, by default, go to try to ease at any in any way I could ease the the tension and the the mayhem that 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 the person that I knew caused. Mm-hmm. That's just me, though. I feel like, I mean, I don't know what the talking about mental health like is like in Malaysia. I don't know if they're like an open culture or like a honor culture where so you know we may not we may not know true yeah i mean we we don't really know no we don't know anything we don't really know at all so the one thing that i can say is uh for the hijacking theory if it was a hijacking i was about to say gone wrong but it sounds like maybe gone hijacking right? gone gone right there there would be some group that would claim responsibility yeah. for it because why would you go to this extent right and then just not have any there was either a reason specific reason why it was taken down um by somebody uh or it was the the pilot suicide so even the the people that investigated and everything they say there's no evidence to suggest any recent behavioral changes for the pilot i mean yeah, so you guys like, are all overlooking you know the biggest one Aliens, the Dragon's Triangle. Like, come on. Talk to me about the you Dragon didn't, didn't Triangle. About, no, yeah. it's actually it's unfortunate that he disappeared in that spot because the Dragon's Triangle is on the complete opposite side of the Earth from the Bermuda Triangle. And did we do an episode on the Bermuda Triangle? Um, did, yeah, I think I think we did. I've never heard of the Dragon's actually, Triangle though. I don't think we did. And maybe we talked about it in the Oceans episode. We might have. Yeah, but I don't the, think we did the actual Bermuda Triangle. Maybe we should do the Bermuda Triangle soon. But basically, a lot of uh, airplanes and ships go missing in both the Bermuda Triangle and the Dragon's Triangle. And I'm not they I'm looking at the, the Dragon's Triangle right now. And it's in a totally different spot. It's, yeah, between like Japan and. Yeah. But they think something of that nature. Okay, so different oh, okay, triangle. Yeah. There's a new triangle. Or the Bermuda Triangle's. Actually, like if you look at where the Bermuda Triangle is. this from Tomb Raider? No, it's the Bermuda Triangle is actually real. No, Dragon's Triangle. Uh, No, the Dragon's Triangle is like the Devil's Sea. Okay, Devil's Sea. The Devil's Sea, also known as the Devil's Triangle, the Dragon's Triangle, or the Formosa Triangle. Got you. The Pacific Bermuda Triangle is the region of Pacific south of Tokyo. Devil's Sea is sometimes considered a paranormal location. Right, but Uh, again... We should stress this is not the place where the plane right, right. was. It's a different – babe, wake up. New triangle just dropped. Right. <laughs> but they think it has – like That's what we – is that an isosceles? I'm is just it, saying that's, it's not a, a, that's it's not a, a scaling. Scaling. It's not a good tri- – it's not a good – It's not. I wouldn't even – People just out here looking for triangles. That's facts. They're just yeah. putting three points together yeah. and just connecting them with lines. Yeah, that's not a Calling real, it a triangle? I wouldn't – I wouldn't – 
Can you imagine if this plane did go down in the Bermuda Triangle or get lost in there? Oh, the lower would be insane. So yeah. my actually, my mom's aunt died in a plane crash in the Bermuda Triangle. That's wild. Whoa. And then my mom's cousin just recently went to Bermuda to try to like see if the spirit of her mother is there. Was it? Uh, she claimed to have felt her mother there, but we're not going to say. If she, hey, <laughs> we're not I don't, don't be grudging. Talk, be, talk to hey. who you want to talk to, man. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever makes you feel. Um, I've got some bad news about Blaine Gibson. What? He's been forced into hiding. God damn it. By? Uh, death threats. Because from this, that documentary that just dropped? No, this was a couple years ago. He's getting too close to the truth. Okay. So he's he's in hiding right which, now. Which truth? Because he's an adventurer. There are a lot. Yeah, that's true. Dude, he's this guy definitely ruffled, has the truth. He's ruffled a lot of feathers over over his lifetime. Uh, now, it, I should say that the uh, the surviving families of, of people who were on board this jet, they like Blaine Gibson. Because really? he's actually been pushing forward to like continue the search. Because after doing two separate searches that ended up finding nothing. Mm-hmm. The governments were just like, we can't spend any more money on this. We've invested enough time, enough resources, and it has been the most expensive search ever. So it has, it has cost a lot of money, mm-hmm. but they essentially said, we don't know. We've given her our best shot, and so we'll close the book on it. But this dude, uh, Blaine Gibson, and, and some other people that are victims' rights advocates, they've been the ones that are pushing forward, like, let's continue the search. This dude, Blaine, brought a bunch of people to uh, Madagascar or Reunion Island to like look for wreckage. Um, so they like him a lot, and okay. he's doing a good job raising awareness for it. So but not like a kook. He's really out here trying to... I think he's both. Okay. I, I actually think he's both, but in like, uh, he seems like an interesting guy, but he also definitely seems like the kind of guy that would show up and magically he he cracked the case gotcha. and it's like that's another mystery solved for Gla- for blaine right you can't, and you know he's about that action though he is. Can't deny yeah. that. Oh, he's, sure. he's on the ground there i, I want to be clear i'm pro blaine yeah i like i like blaine i think we should we should take everything he says with like a little bit of a grain of salt because he's he is self-admittedly a wannabe indiana jones he reads his own press oh yeah for his, sure. he's got yeah. google alerts oh, set you know up. What? yeah for some reason, his hair, you know how you can always look at a guy and if he's got like a certain type of hairdo where it almost looks fake, you don't trust him? Yeah. No. You know what I'm saying? Like like uh, uh, Billy the Donkey Kong guy? Oh, Billy um, Billy Mitchell. Billy Mitchell. Yeah. Like how you're like, is his hair? And do you know that Billy, they just, I think they might have just uh, debunked his record. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and said like this. So he's like, I don't know, just guys like that with weird hair, don't like kind of give me fraud vibes. So um, he does have. He's got an unusual haircut for sure. The guy's just. What's he's his a, name again? Blaine Gibson. He's a uh, a unique personality. So people see somebody like that and they might not trust him as much. So he the first day that he went out in 2016 to search along the shorelines, he started to find pieces of the plane. So he claims that like, he's the one, like it just took a little bit of Blaine magic to be able to, to find this stuff. Oh, there was another, there was a, uh, hijacking in that part of the world. I want to say Ethiopian airlines and, uh, they hijacked, it was traveling over, uh, mainland Africa and the hijackers forced him to fly it to Australia. 
and I might be screwing up some of the bit, but basically that's that's the gist of it. It was flying over Africa. The hijackers diverted it. They tried to get him to fly to Australia, and the pilots were like, "There's not enough gas in this plane to make it to Australia." And the hijackers were like, "I don't care. You fly it in that direction, or else we're going to crash the plane." And so he just has to start flying it, knowing that there's not enough gas in the plane. And it's not going to make it even half of the way there. Jesus. And so then it crashed uh, next to these islands off the east coast of Africa. And you can actually watch footage because people were on a beach at like a resort nearby. Somebody had a camcorder. Oh, yeah. And he tried to land it uh, Sully style, mm-hmm. Sullenberger style on the on the water next to this resort. Because uh, it was out of gas entirely, and he landed it, but the plane flipped over after it hit the water because it's very hard to land a jumbo jet on an ocean. Yeah. Um, and so some people survived, but a lot of people died in that. But you can watch. There's actually footage that you can see of the plane trying to land, and then what was the plane? One of its engines catching. You know how the engines hang from the bottom yeah. of the wing. When the when that hits the water, it will spin the plane around, and it broke up after impact. Jesus. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of different theories about Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. It's fascinating, man. I hope they find it. I hope they figure out what's going on. Um, it's wild that the airlines is still like in business. Because you think after something like that of in the magnitude and the proportion, like how soon after that do you book a flight with Malaysian Airlines? Yeah, and then Malaysian Airlines 17 happened. That's the one that got shot out of the sky oh, by Russian yeah. forces. Yeah. And so at that point, you're really not flying. I will never be on a Malaysian oh. airline flight. Are you sure about that? I'm believing the propaganda. You're not going to Kuala Lumpur? Not anytime soon. Okay. No. There's also a theory that uh, the, the one other piece of evidence that they try to throw out there is that when the pilot was flying back over his home city, uh, you can see a small turn in the plane. And this is like right after the, or it was right after the turn happened. So okay. it was like, they still had flight data on it. And they were like, why did it make this one turn over this one place? That was the place where this guy grew up. It was his hometown. Oh, wow. And some people are saying that like he was tipping his wings to his home. If you're just reminiscing. No. If you're, Maybe. Yeah. yeah. If you're so, to- so if you're hijacking a, or if you're taking a plane on a murder suicide mission, you're not like tipping your wings. But what Arian <laughs> like, just said was like, I, I young town, you can, you can, move your wing down and then like can you can uh turn the airliner so that you can look at the place that you grew up that right. you're flying by that makes that, actually that, yeah. more sense that makes more sense yes yeah and he's just like damn that's where it all started because I've, I've flown over my hometown before and be like damn man i really came from that you know like i've had i've never flown a plane but yeah well, you would I, probably I, look at it i've had that feeling yeah just being like this is where it all started and mm-hmm. kind of where i'm gonna end it but yeah. much farther away <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, they this documentary is probably going to have a lot more people asking a lot more questions about it, and they might get another search done. But I, I feel bad for everybody that had family members that yeah. like, for the longest time you have no idea what yeah, happened. To shitty, them. and that's why like it's just I think it's just disheartening. I think when you have like so many victims, like you got to be transparent with the investigation, like regardless of how you feel about how people are going to take it. That way, when you look back, you can have that to fall back on, like. They said everything that they knew. They were transparent as hell. And I, I can give them that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because if not, then you're, like, you're not helping them in a time of grief before or afterwards. Because grief doesn't go away. You just find ways 
to to cope with it yeah and you probably you were probably hanging on for years thinking like maybe there is some truth to maybe they landed the plane somewhere they were held hostage maybe they're still alive you Mm -hmm. don't know and then the debris starts washing up you kind of have to accept it at that point yeah uh but if you're if you're a member of the military if you're um in in charge of the military that if it was a military shoot down you probably will never ever admit any of that no, shit. You, you probably go through all the length if it was by mistake yeah and you shot this plane down you would probably go to the ends of the earth to make sure that this information never ever yeah. came out you murdered 200 plus people yeah so uh anything else that we want to cover kind of hit all pretty much this one's kind of the one conspiracy theory that can't be confirmed everyone's kind of agreed on like the, the suicide murder one like besides being abducted by aliens or you know <laughs> some paranormal activity type thing but the thing is it's not even in the devil's triangle so it doesn't even count or like <laughs> or like the mh of how paranormal activity has a location wormhole can only happen here wormhole yeah. to <laughs> shooting out in ukraine and getting shot down why would they shoot it down though uh i don't know because it, it popped out of nowhere and it's a random oh the ukraine war this was yeah this was in like 2000 yeah no but there there was a fight there's yeah. a battle going on between uh-huh. russian forces and ukrainian militias yeah. and shit like Got that you. even at the time all right. Yep. Well, uh, I hope I want to say we got to the bottom of it. No, there's no, there's no, there bottom. no bottom. It's another Cthulhu. bad. That's another bad pun. You yeah. have royally fucked the puns. This sorry, episode. sorry, I didn't, I didn't even mean that. Holy shit! Um, what do you mean, Billy Cthulhu? Yeah, Cthulhu could have eaten him. Okay. What's that? What is that, man? Uh, I don't know. Around there <laughs> in the Pacific. Sure. Did you just make up a fight? What? Cthulhu. What is a Cthulhu? Lovecraft. What is that? It's a giant monster that lives in the ocean. <laughs> okay. And uh, right. have you have you guys ever heard of the bloop? Nope. <laughs> I have heard of the bloop. The bloop. Yeah. They think Cthulhu is like living deep in the ocean or underneath the earth's crust and made a noise do that they, was so big. Do they cover this in the documentary? No. Uh no. Okay. This is this is These Billy, are, you're, you're in Billy's really, territory yeah. now. No, they think that Cthulhu may have like swallowed the plane. And dragged it down to his ocean lair. Got he's, it. he's on like the back pages of Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> he's on I mean, there's another theory. Well, Forgot to talk about this one. This one actually, between the pilot suicide, the accidental shoot down, and this one, I think it's probably one of those three. Um, a gradual decompression in the plane. Oh, yeah, the crack. So if there's a gradual decompression, it would knock everybody out on the plane all at once uh it might give a little bit more oxygen because the pilots have more oxygen that can flow through their masks if they need to so if if the pilot found out that there was a decompression somewhere on the aircraft then he would turn around and try to fly it back home but eventually he would get hit by the decompression so and he wouldn't have oxygen then he'd so be he'd start making bad decisions then he'd, he yeah mm. no it does it, it's like if you're climbing around Everest, hallucinating and stuff yeah, yeah. It, it fucks with your brain that actually makes wow it, that that one to me makes it makes just as much sense as the suicide well one. don't pilots have oxygen masks up there though they do but there's only a, a certain amount of oxygen and the and they were flying for hours though too so and and his 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 de- 
his detour was pretty quick. It was like within the first hour, wasn't it? Hour or two? Yeah, so that would, like, if he knew that there was something wrong in the plane, what's your move? You turn around and you go back. And so that he might have been trying to turn around and go back. There's no way he loses oxygen that fast, though. Don't they have oxygen masks for this reason? No, that's what I'm saying, Billy, but there's a, a it's, there's amount. not a lot of oxygen. It's not like you have an unlimited supply. It's happened on other flights. There was one that was traveling. I, it was across the Mediterranean somewhere, and uh, I think it was in the 90s. And the entire plane got depressurized, and the, the pilots tried to keep their masks on, but they eventually lost it too. There was one crew member that, like, crawled his way into the cabin and because they scrambled jets out to see what was going on with this plane that was yeah. going rogue. And they got close enough to look into the cockpit, into the windows. And there was somebody in there that was trying to fly the plane, but they wouldn't respond to anything. And then that person passed out and the plane crashed. But it's like your body, different bodies react different ways to yeah. lack of oxygen. And so um, I think the pilots have more oxygen that they can get. I like that theory that more than anything I've heard, actually. That's yeah. the, the most honest theory it's the, like yeah. not dark and so the the problem with that would be uh the transponder got switched off yeah and that has to be that happened fast it has to be intentional yeah. that you switch it off okay yeah you try to use the transponder while your oxygen's not working you hit the wrong button you delete a whole podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a valid point Billy. oh no i switched it off can't contact so them. you're saying your default is lack of oxygen <laughs> yeah. yeah well have you heard he has a lack of oxygen well i have a buckled <laughs> septum so when i when i'm talking for long times i can't breathe out of my nose it's actually making a lot of sense actually this is making too much sense yeah <laughs> so so this dude uh hit the wrong button and then turned back and then briefly saw his hometown wanted to look at it because he recizes that even with the lack of oxygen yeah now I'm out it's a lot it's that's a lot it's I'm a, out now. it's a possibility it, it could happen or Billy were you saying he was trying to MacGyver the but like we have the transponder but we can use the transponders parts to make more oxygen no like some guy <laughs> with no oxygen was trying to use the transponder and accidentally shut it off and couldn't get it back on okay and everybody just in there loopy at that point yeah I mean it would explain there's really it no just happened. I think it just happened so fast for me is why I'm out on that one. Like it, it was like as soon as you left Malaysian airspace, then everything started going downhill so rapidly. I don't think because he sounded he, he didn't sound he would have said something in the in the time that he was in co contact with air traffic control in Malaysian airspace. As soon as he leaves Malaysian airspace, yeah. that's when everything goes downhill. That doesn't make any sense if he's sensing a lack of oxygen. We'll do. It's true. This has actually really convinced me I need to get my septum fixed. Before you accidentally <laughs> crash a plane? No, because like, what if it's true? What if I'm getting no oxygen by the end of these podcasts? Is that, that's, that's a great excuse. Uh, that's a fantastic uh, Like, no. You're not actually to blame for anything bad that you've ever done. Ever said on a podcast because yeah. I couldn't lack oxygen. You're experiencing hypoxia. Yeah. Your entire life. <laughs> yeah. no. He just lives in the whole hypoxia, state of hypoxia. Yeah. Jesus. All right. Well, um, we got to the bottom of Billy, at least. So that's, <laughs> so that's nice. Uh, do we have any voicemails that we, we want to get into today? Do. Let's get it. It feels so good to be here. Yeah, I know. We love having you in the studio. Without anxiety. Nice. Good vibes day. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Also, big interview coming out on Monday. Yeah. yeah we, we can tease that, right? Dr. Carl Hart. Mm -hmm. 
Dr. Awesome. Carl Hart, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done in my life. I, he, I love, I love that guy. He was very cool. He uh, he came in, talked to us about drug use, drug policy, uh, the science of addiction. You know what I loved about him most is when he came in. You can tell he was like, "Here we go with this bullshit again, right?" <laughs> yeah. Like I have to explain to these motherfuckers why they what they think is stupid as shit. Like that was literally his disposition. Yeah, yeah. And as he listens to us talk, he loosens up. And really starts to get into the weeds of why his research yeah. leads into his worldview. Like, yep, I appreciated that. You think he'd come back on? I think so, actually. Yeah, I think so. I think he was vibing. He, li- he, li- he yeah. liked it, for sure. Yeah. Um, at the start, we got up to a, a somewhat rocky start because he was telling me about his experiences. And he said that he was a taxpayer. And I said, thank you for your service, for being a taxpayer. He thought that I knew that he was in the military. Yeah. And yeah. when I said, thank you for your service, he's like, that's such a th- he was like that bullshit throwaway line like, yeah. <laughs> nobody means that when they say that why would you say that to me i was like well i didn't i did not know that you yeah. were actually i was trying to make a joke just right yeah. off the bat about your taxpayer. i'm gonna be honest i don't think he liked you the first couple no months. i don't think he, i didn't think he did either yeah but I, but I think I was like, to, to my point i, I think he came in because i think he does a lot of those interviews and your disposition of if you're if you're if you're pro-drug mm-hmm. is 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 very antithetical of the societal society's view of it. So yeah. you're always every interview you do, you're always on the defense. Yeah. And when yeah. he came here, he kind of found out he didn't have to. Yeah. You know, his he, he wasn't on the ropes. Then he he loosened up, and then we had a, yeah. like a real dope conversation. Mm-hmm. Want to do voicemails? Yep. It was awesome. Oh, also, he's a big fan of Arian. That's fact. Yep. How could you not be? <laughs> hey, Macaroons and crew. My name is Dominic. I'm calling from Florida. Uh, I was laughing at your Torridale episode. Uh, you know, I played ball the last four seasons, and I, I separated my shoulder. The only way I was able to finish the season was because of the Torridale shot. It's a, really a miracle drug. It, like, repaired my entire shoulder shoulder temporarily. My question for you guys all, and especially, like, uh, uh, Arian and, and Billy, is uh, once you guys transition from your football careers or your athletic careers and uh, you went into, you know, artistic stuff, how did you know that that was the avenue you wanted to go? What motivated you? And then for everyone else, what has motivated you all to go this, you know, you could call podcasting art, I assume, this sort of artistic route versus another way. Uh, thank you all. Really enjoy the show. And uh, I look forward to listening. Bye. I'll let you take it first, Billy. You know. I don't know why this guy's conflating our athletic careers anywhere hey, close to each other. That's all right, man. Hey, you know, he was an athlete and you pivoted, man. Uh, I actually had no idea I was going to go into any type of creating. I just sort of was a fan of a podcast and wanted to meet them and interview with them for, uh, you know, just for an internship. Cause I thought it would be like great. Like it would be a great experience as a fan of a podcast. And then here I am. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Then I got bored. Then I got bored uh, during the pandemic. And I was like, well, that, that, that would be fun to do again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we're so glad that you did. <laughs> uh, I think for me, Dominic, appreciate you calling in, family. I think for me, um, I've always been interested in everything, and so it's like I don't care what it is. If I if I don't know it, I'm interested in it because somebody like for the simple like rocks, for example, right? You just walk by rocks and you don't think nothing of it. But there's somebody so interested in rocks that they spent their entire life researching them, studying them, traveling the world, looking at different kinds. Where do they come from? All of that stuff. And so that shit is interesting to me. 
And so how my I made my pivot simply being interested in all of the things because I, I was so honed in. I had tunnel vision about what I wanted to do with my life. I missed out being interested in the world that was around me. And so subsequently, after after uh, my career, I just wanted to kind of be a sponge and soak up everything that I could. And in turn, that makes you a very interesting human being. That's what people always say. Oh, you're interesting. I'm not that interesting. I'm just interested in like everybody else around me. Like there's a there's a science and there's a there's a um, there's a, a deep passion that everybody has and everybody holds. And if you just curious enough to ask questions and, 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 and deep dive into things that you're passionate about, you can, you can, like, it, the knowledge is free, man. For the most part, the knowledge is free. And, like, you, you only live in this motherfucker one time. And so I want to know as much about this place before I kick the bucket as possible, whether it's rocks or water or waves or light or football or whatever the case may be. It's an interesting place we live in, so be interested about it. You know what? I'm going to actually restructure my answer real quick. No, nah, you can't. I killed it. It's over. No, <laughs> that was a Billy answer. I w- like realistically learning new things is like a sort of like f- hearing a new fact, hearing something cool, finding out something new, like is such an awesome feeling. Like it's like, I don't know, getting a new wrinkle in your brain is like a high that I try to constantly achieve. And I think it's like in the same way Aaron was described, like finding out more about the world. I like, I want to know everything there is to know Yeah, mm-hmm. because it's just awesome. Billy's a very curious person. The one story, there's a story that uh, my dad told me, which I don't believe is true, but it's fire. So the story of George Washington Carver. Mm-hmm. So George Washington Carver, um, the story goes, he asked God, uh, um, I want to know all the secrets to the universe. He would say, I want to know all the secrets to the universe. And uh, God said, you're not ready to have all the secrets to the universe. And, you know, God talked back. And, and so he was like, I absolutely do. I want to know everything about the universe. And God said, okay, if you, if you think that you're ready to take on all the secrets of the universe and know, have all the knowledge about the universe, he said, why don't you just take the peanut? Take the peanut and study the peanut as much as you can. And that's where he said his inspiration came from. And because of that, he had like over a hundred patents for the peanut, the peanut oil, peanut butter, peanut, all kind of peanut stuff uh, and everything that involved with the peanut because he took and broke down the peanut. And, and there was so much wonder in just the peanut. And so my dad told me that story when I was younger. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but that was, I guess, the account of it. And it's it's interesting in general. I think if you, there's so much to be like one time I was talking to my stepdad and he is a PhD geneticist. And uh, it was just fascinating to me. Like if you know that much about like life, like I was like, I was like it's kind of like the Oz. That's what I was telling him. I was like, it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz where you go and at the end you kind of see behind the curtain of life. And he was like, man, all I know is I know a whole lot about very little, which is a fire way to put it. Yeah. 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 I, there's definitely a lesson in the George Washington Carver thing, which is there's all these things in this world all around us. And if you become an expert on one thing, there's unlimited amounts of things you can learn about that. It makes yeah. me wonder how many other peanuts there are out there. Like so we've barely cracked the code on like redwood trees. They're not even and, a nut. Peanuts. Yeah, they're a legume, right? Yeah, peanuts are legumes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. But there's so many things out in the world. You can look at any anything like jaguars. You can look at uh, pine cones. You can look at 
any seashells. If you become like just an expert on seashells, you just study this one type of mollusk or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's endless amount of things you can learn about that one thing that has not been discovered just yeah. yet. I look like we're lighting a fire under Billy right now. <laughs> about like the love pine cone. Billy's like, oh my god, I can. There's so much stuff to explore. But yeah, that's what's really dope about it. Is like somebody has spent their life studying something minuscule like that, and it's transformed into like you know the technology that we use or whatever the case may be like it has led to so much creativity and so much thing and that's to me the beauty and why i i pivoted the way i did was just like i just got interested in everything dog like i'm I'm fascinated so i love hearing people i love having guests who are experts at something and just picking their brain like how did you get to this conclusion like what how do they see the world it's it's interesting shit Mm -hmm. great question dominic do you want to talk about why you podcast no, this question was why I switched my athletic career. And- <laughs> well, they said everyone else. They, he said everyone else at the end too. I don't. You had an athletic career. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did play Division One men's rugby for several years. Not to brag. This was only for toward all users. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'll move. I'll move on. Yeah. Well, you actually not toward. I actually. Yeah. I, ha- I yeah. got an injection in my rib. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Due to Billy. Yeah. Due to Billy. <laughs> I, I shared the wonders of Toradol. It was the, jo- the Johnny Appleseed of Toradol just <laughs> spreading its wonders far and wide. Going to the extent of he'll actually injure you to make you try Toradol. You've got to try this. Yeah. No, you got to try this. <laughs> All right, here. Also, I spelled Toradol wrong on the graphic yesterday and people got mad. Do you think I know how to spell Toradol? Well, the beauty of that is people just say that Billy wrote the graphic. Right. That's love, that. Yeah. love that. Love that. I was like, do I look like someone who would have heard of that love before? That. All right. What's up, guys? It's uh, Nick from Massachusetts. Uh, everybody, you're all handsome. Arian and Mad Dog. You guys are beautiful. Facts. Nick, stop. Um, Hater. Anyway, stop. Hater. I'm about a month into recovering from an ACL surgery. I just had a question for Arian. Uh, when you have a, an injury slash surgery recovery like this, how do you stay positive? How, how's the best way to get through it? Just keep telling myself not to get frustrated. Uh, just didn't know if you had any tips. Thanks, guys. Love you guys. Listen to every show. Take it easy. Peace. Yeah, my nigga sounds so sad, man. I know. Damn. Uh, well, my guy. Um, yeah, I've had many injuries over the years, and I think um, that is not talked about enough. Is the mental aspect of getting over a physical injury? Um, it's tough. It's not easy because you're you're incapacitated. And so um, I think I just took it as I got I get some time off. Right. I just get to I get to relax and family. You get so much sympathy um, loving. (laughs) You get a lot of sympathy loving, man. So uh, I I say exploit that. If you got people around you that love you and want to bring you, hey, you need some food. Absolutely. Take advantage of all that shit because it goes away as soon as you can walk again. But I think just in general, man, you just have to stay the course. Like it's not easy. You have to do those annoying like uh the rehab stuff like you have to do that stay on top of it but it's just it's just a process man you know at the end of the day you're gonna get better it's just an acl it's not a heart surgery people got it way worse man so it's it's always that that always helped me out in my life in general it's just like yo no matter how bad you got it somebody got it worse you got acl time will heal it you'll be all right but just keep keep plugging away with my limited experience with injuries i was always frustrated that you had to do nothing for it to progress but that isn't necessarily true just try to improve blood flow to the area of the injury as much as you can be it stem 
be it ultrasounds and just keep doing it and it will get those stem cells rejuvenating it will get like the igf1 there to help you heal and uh, that like i was always able to recover faster doing that but like it's annoying that sometimes you actually just have to do nothing yeah and that mm-hmm. was the worst yep all right one more voicemail this is ian from Charleston, South Carolina originally, but now Dallas, Texas, and I'm so freaking excited because I've spent my entire macrodosing life trying to figure out the perfect voicemail for the voicemail segment. And if I come, I better come correct, and I've got it. <laughs> my God. Macrodosings. If you had to leave a voicemail for the macrodosing voicemail segment, what would your voicemail be? I like that. <laughs> I guess these amigos. That's a good question. I like that. I like that. You can tell he's thought about this. Yeah. Hmm. Big T, how big's your dick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm. I'm not asking you. What an odd response. I'm not, That's kind of weird, dude. I'm not saying it. That's kind of weird, dude. Yeah, we, the guy's got a size 17 feet. I'm not asking him that question. I'm saying if I were a listener who would, If you did it. If I did OJ. it, that, that's what the, <laughs> that would be my question. <laughs> Just have, whip it out. No, no, I'm not. No. That's not me. That's not me. Again, this is, this is the voicemail. <laughs> this is like... You could you could, you could go to call, HR and file oh, yeah, some yeah. sexual I'm, harassment. I might file it for Big T. I'm not asking him. Just I don't. I actually, I actually don't want to know. <laughs> but the voicemail. Yeah, man. I'll Sorry. settle for one. Pardon my takes worth of wages <laughs> from you. Well, when you said I'll settle for one, I was so curious where you was going with that. I'll give you one ball. Um, what would I? I don't know, man. Um, I would probably ask. Okay. I'll ask everybody. What were your expectations going into this show? And and what has transpired along the way into how you feel about each other and the show in general? I would say the same thing, I think. Yeah. Like something about like how do you actually feel about each other? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not going to answer that question. No, I didn't no. say that. It's, it's, it's not me. We were- yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. me. It's a good question. It's if I called into the show. <laughs> Big T, Billy. Hmm. I guess if I didn't know Arian, I I guess I, I don't know that I've ever asked you this question anyway. Well, I'm answering. Uh, what's the coolest, like, really rich person shit you've ever done? <laughs> <laughs> um... I don't think it's something I've actually done per se, because I'm I'm really kind of lame when it comes to that. I don't I'm not like uh like I don't stunt like that. Um, I, I guess the, the the I guess the the dopest shit I, I've I've done is just having fuck you money into where like I I exude that right. So I don't I don't I'm not like fuck you, but it's just like I don't. I don't have to like just being able to do whatever you I want. I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels it feels really good. And so that in turn has turned me into a really good person, honestly, because it's given me a lot of empathy. But it's it's especially people who are assholes. When people who are assholes and they don't know that you have fuck you money, that's one of the best feelings in the world. And you can be like, Bro, shut the fuck up talking to me. And this is why. Nobody can make you do anything. That's nah, sick. If I don't want to, yeah. 
Yeah. I won't fuck you, money. Billy, <laughs> <laughs> really, do you think you get more empathetic with fuck you, money? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have it yet. Yeah, source. What's it? You got source on that? Trust me, bro. Period. Yeah. I probably ask how much of this. I probably think a lot of the stuff that we do was scripted. And I'd be like, how much of the stuff that you guys do is scripted versus actually just occurs? No, you can't script this. I know. You can't. But I'd be like, as we've found. Because so much yeah. stuff that has not been scripted has been, so, has done so well. Like, I'd be like, like, did he really delete the whole video? Yeah, people, like, people ask me that. They'll be like, yeah. Billy didn't actually delete the video. I'm like, oh. No, yes. there's yeah, a button. Did. There's a button right there. Don't, don't, don't even. He's sitting in the chair right now. And I've had anxiety for Billy, don't, four hours. Don't touch anything. I'm not touching. Anything. Oh, he is in this. In the. I'm not touching anything. You're we need to get you a fidget tool when well, you're over I, there. I, no, I fidget. I, <laughs> That's what I, I'm saying. When I'm podcasting, I just fidget with the headphone cord. Yeah. <laughs> Mad dog. Yeah, I'd probably ask something similar to, like Arian. Like, how do you, are you guys friends in real life? Or like, some something to that degree. Mm-hmm. Do you guys like each other? I like that no. type of thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think that's one of the best parts about this being a, a remote podcast is that when we're, when we're all together, we want to spend time with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except for PFT, you always got shit to do. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's cool. I was actually thinking about a dope thing that we could do to like expand YouTube uh, content. In, in yesterday's, me and you are like polar opposite human beings, right? Mm-hmm. But like when we go to sporting events, like we're like fucking best buddies. I I've always said to people who like will argue about shit on the show, and I'm like every time I hang out with Arian, like he's the coolest dude ever, and Facts. I I do genuinely like you. Same. So like maybe we should just like go to like random like sporting events. Like oh, I'm going about, to like, the Big East tournament tonight. You want to go now that you're not leaving? Oh, oh, you got an extra ticket? I can get one. Talk to them, Big T. Just go. got fuck you. They're, they're, they're like twenty five dollars, but yes, we. Yeah, can. I might do that. I might. I'll pull up. Let me. I'm gonna let you know. But uh, like, I'm, I'm talking about like, yeah, shit like that. But also like, like we'll go to like cockfighting Jones in like some foreign country, oh, shit like that. Can yeah, I come? Yeah. It can't just be a Big T and you thing. If we go to cockfighting, you can come. I, yeah, but, but I, I think we sell this as a Big T area opposite to track. Uh, listen, if you want to... We need to heal the country and I think we can do it through us. If you want to go to a bunch of games, I'm down. I don't care. <laughs> I think it's a cool thing, man. We'll, we'll, we'll chop. We'll chop. I think you've also uh, learned that through like we've you, you like hockey. I do. You yeah. like baseball like in baseball, person. Yeah. But also it's like I like these things because it's like I don't know about them. And so like while we're at the games, I'm I ask a million questions. Arian discovering uh we we he didn't know who Connor McDavid was and we told him like this kid's like he's better at hockey than anyone else is at any other sport. It's like insane. he's unreal. And he was watching Connor McDavid highlights and watching him watch somebody be awesome at hockey was really funny. This shit's fire. Cool. That man is that shit's crazy, dog. That shit is that's cool. I, I love watching uh, YouTube videos of people experiencing things for the first time. Do you guys ever get into that genre? Have you seen no. the kids who... Uh, seeing and hearing. Yeah, seeing that, and hearing. That shit makes me emotional When they put on the yeah. hearing aids yeah. for the and first time. Yeah, and they just time. fucking cry. That gets yeah. me every time. Bro. I was going to say the kids who listen to like Phil Collins and shit for the first yeah. time. But that's good too. <laughs> the, blue, the black kids, yeah. especially. Uh-huh. It makes me like, this shit goes. Yeah, it's two black kids and they, yeah, that yeah, like yeah. they listen to Dolly Parton for the first time and yeah. they're like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, watched, I watched a couple of them Jones. Yeah, And Eminem songs. 
Yeah. <laughs> Eminem songs too. But people getting the, to hear for the first time, that's good too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. All right. Good voicemails today. Yeah. From us good as well. Stuff. Yeah. All right, so we will uh, we'll see you guys on Monday. Yeah, with Carl Hart, Doctor Carl Hart, and then uh, yeah, Big T. That vo- uh, that voicemail though was very good. No, he killed that. That was a very good voicemail. He killed that. And his yeah. vibes were high. Vibes mm-hmm. were high. You could tell it meant something to him too. So mm-hmm. shout out to fuck, I forgot his Ian. name. Ian. Ian. Shout, shout out to Ian. Ian. Shout out to Ian. Dallas. That's right. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Love you guys. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you.